welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. I'm your host, Iman Kusro, and I'm joined by my recently, I guess, my recent nemesis, Rivals co-host, I don't know, Zach Cachetta. How's it going, brother? <laughs> Doing great. Happy to be here. Good. I'm glad that you're happy to be here. And we have a special guest on today's episode, someone who lives actually quite near to Zach and is a good friend of mine. Um, Kyle Dalton, how's it going, brother? It's good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, super excited to have you on. Um, for those of you who think Kyle's name sounds familiar, he is also the man behind Pale King Hobby. Very That's cool me. underworld stuff, yeah. So we'll definitely get into Kyle and his painting and, and some of his thoughts around why he loves doing underworlds uh, miniatures, uh, at least for his... Uh, He's got some really cool dioramas, actually. I'm still waiting on those Nurgle Beastmen, dude. I know. I think about them all the time. Like, <laughs> so much to get to, you know? So little yeah. time. Exactly. Yeah. But we've got Chicagoland in the house. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty exciting. So, Kyle, I know you live outside of Chicago. Zach, do you also live, like, outside of Chicago? I mean, it's Chicagoland, but is it, like, a yeah. suburb? Or- yeah, I'm, I'm in asked. a suburb. I'm about, about half an hour plus out, depending on traffic. Here, yeah. here in Chicago land, we measure all distances by time traveled, usually to and from the city. Uh, Dude, that's what we do it, in Houston. Yeah, it's it's just the way it is. I think when you have like a suburban sprawl. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, as someone who is right behind you, and actually might be in the city that overtakes your city as third largest city at some point. Yeah, it's grown quite fast. Yeah. I'm uh, pretty. Uh, pretty familiar with the the distance thing actually when i was in new york side tangent and i was talking to like some of my coworkers, um they're like oh yeah dude like my dad lives in jersey but i never see him and i'm like how long how far is jersey he's like just like a 30 minute drive maybe like 45 minutes i was <laughs> like dude i drive like 25 minutes to go to the gym like <laughs> yeah how do you not see your dad yeah i'm about you the know? same yeah Wild, I mean, our, but uh, the the local store that Kyle and I will frequent is uh, about forty minutes from me, and that's that's my that's my local store. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, it's just it's just yeah. the size around here. It's funny talking to uh, folks in Europe and the UK specifically because they're like, "Oh, I got to make a whole weekend trip. It's a whole hour drive." And like, dude, I used to drive an hour plus to work. Like, I used to have like an hour and a half commute in either direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. America. America. We love things spread out, huh? Land of traffic. Yeah. Well, um, enough, I guess, on the intros here. Um, in this episode, we're going to be discussing a lot of things, really. Um, you know, we did a bunch of episodes last time for the Narwood release, and that took a lot out of us, and so we kind of need a little bit of a break. But we also wanted to immerse ourselves in the Narwood and get some games in, try the different formats. Um, so we're going to be talking about our Narwood experiences. We're going to talk about the Farlist as well. Um, it's been out for a little bit, but we never really got to share our thoughts. Um, we're going to talk about the championship format a little bit and um, really just what we're doing in our communities to help grow the scene and talk about Underworlds as a whole. So um, episode is going to be kind of all over the place, but I think it's going to be one of the most organic and natural feeling podcasts we've done in a while, if just so, because... The three of us are just going to chat, and I think that's that's what's exciting about doing podcast episodes like these. But before we do that, I do want to thank our patrons. 
Thank you to everyone who supports us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash path of glory. And if that's not possible, we still appreciate the listens and the ratings. Thanks so much for uh, helping us pay the bills. Um, so I guess we'll start with, I guess, um, Underworld's news. I don't know if there's any news recently. There's just a couple Bugman's events. Is there any local events that you guys want to promote or talk about? I think that there's two separate GW events coming up this Saturday. Um, we're lucky there's, I think that there's four GWs in like Northern Illinois and then there's another one right over the border in Wisconsin. So I think uh, the two of them have events this weekend. Is that right? I think yeah. it's more, I think it's more than that. I think we got like six or so around here. Oh, well, there you go. They're just yeah. everywhere. Lucky us. <laughs> they're all a little um, bit slap shod though. Like, you yeah. know, they're like hour and a half apart in some cases. So, are you guys uh, have you guys done the um, the organized play kits yet in in, in your area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both had gone to separate GWs last Saturday. And done. Uh, right? Either last Saturday I was up or the in Saturday one in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was Saturday before. Yeah. Then there's one this Saturday. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out my schedule. Um, all, they're all running rivals because they're trying to get locals into it. So uh, it's it's a yeah. different experience than, you know, we're used to in previous organized play uh, experiences. Yeah, I I, um, I went to one last Saturday as well. and uh, Or maybe it was two weeks ago. I don't know. But um, it was just all rivals. Mm-hmm. And so I just brought a couple war bands and then I just played with Farst Riders and Daring Delvers. And sure. uh, it was a lot of fun, actually. Um just because, like, I was just excited to hang out with people I had never played with before, you know, and was teaching them how to play the game. And so um, I'm hoping your experiences were similar, of course. Uh, I know that, Kyle, you were out there trophy hunting or of something course, like that. Yeah, yeah we, it was. so it was nine people, the one that I went to, and I, I think that maybe four of them had just gotten into the game. So my first opponent had I played maybe one game before, so it was, you know, it was obviously a kind of teaching experience and... um so it was interesting kind of getting a, you know, the new player perspective. And then it's always interesting teaching this game because like I, I had a buddy I met yesterday in the city and we played a little bit and, you know, kind of explaining the rules and it's hard for me not to be like, this is how it works. And it kind of used to work like this, but now it works like this. And like, just because in my mind, it, you know, the perspective of the change over time. Um, but yeah, a new, new players and definitely some old faces coming back too, which is always nice. A couple of buddies uh, that I actually had seen last time I'd seen them was at Adepticon. Um, and they're all back playing now too, so that, that was nice. That's cool. I'm glad to hear that people are getting back into the game, and I've I've also had that temptation too, where it's like, well, now that you have a charge token, you can still make attack actions if and when. And they're like, what do you mean still? Or or like I'm just like, oh my, you know, sorry, just ignore everything I'm saying. This is how the rule works. Yeah, here it yeah. is in the rule book. So definitely had a couple moments like that, but uh, it's also like, I think it's also a way to like reconfirm to yourself that you're familiar and you're understanding the new rules as well i mean like zach did you have an experience like that when you were playing or did you just out there yeah. and smash, smash people no the event i went to was um it was a lot of new people it was kind of like new people and a handful of uh um experienced players so we kind of split up and were teaching new people for the first couple rounds um but yeah i, I fell into the same thing where i was like I was like, nowadays you can make multiple moves, and they were like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, never mind. Sorry, it's a, uh, 
uh, you can just make multiple moves. Don't worry about it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one guy who returned. He used to play during like Night Vault days, stopped playing, and then bought in again uh, during Dire Chasm. Uh, he's like he he bought all the stuff and uh, obviously didn't really have anyone to play with because we were kind of still in the throes of um, COVID at that point. And he, now he's playing again. He's like, I just learned this game and all the rules have changed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you get used to it. You know, it's, it is what it is. Um, every six months, baby. Every six every months. Every six months, something new, new and crazy happens. Um, so, uh, no, it's nice. I mean, we had, we had a pretty good turnout. There were, I think, 10 people at the local I went to. Um, I run at our, at my local non GW store, I kind of run the skirmish game nights. Um, and it's heavily kill team, but uh, there's a lot of people who have now been like, oh, yeah, I've been reading these articles on Gnarlwood. I've been reading that it's easier to get into. You know, I really like the models. I really like the new skeletons or whatever. Um, so I think we're going to have a pretty good turnout tomorrow. We're recording this on a Monday. I play on Tuesdays. Um, hopefully we're going to have a handful of people out there playing cards and rolling dice. I'm happy to hear that, man. That's exciting. I've had like a lot of people myself. Just reach out and be like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Oh, I remember this guy's name. Didn't I hadn't played games with him? I haven't talked to him in like three years, whatever, since Shadespire Nightfall." Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, Norworld looks really cool. Is it true that you don't have to deck build and buy everything?" I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's true." He's like, "Sweet, I'm gonna go pick this up." And um, so I'm also doing that at like my, my local. And what I did is I, you know how like on Facebook you can make uh, your groups and to like have a chat as well. Granted, mm-hmm. if they're not too big, so like the Houston Warhammer Underworlds is like. I don't know, maybe like 80-ish people. So I just threw everyone a chat, and then whoever didn't want to be there left. <laughs> but now it's just like people are asking questions, and then like random pot person who's like been lurking this like for three days will be like, oh, wait, they changed that? And someone's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, this is cool, you know? So that's what I've been really trying to do um, is also like at my local GW, we did like that weekend where we the organized play kit came out. But I just started just running people through games. Like there's this couple that came in, um i forget their names really nice people and um like her unfortunately her grandmother had just passed that morning um Mm. but you know she loves warhammer so she was playing or trying to be in the store and i was like hey let me show you a brand new game so we ran through the game and she was playing gnarl spirit and then her husband was playing ravagers because he owned the miniatures so he's like oh these Mm. i own these let's play with them and it was like the most lopsided matchup and the fact that like she missed everything and he crit everything and it's not how I thought the game was going to go at all. Um, and he, like, inspired because he started with those two cards that, like, put desecration tokens immediately. And, like, I was walking them through it and the hands were open and everything. And um, uh, they they were hooked. So they bought Narwood. And um, oh, good. they bought the Crimson Court because she likes the vampires. Mm-hmm. And then I was giving them, like, the manager was like, hey, can you give them some stuff from the box? So I started giving them stuff. And they're like, hey, what is this? And it has, like, the drum and the hex vein stuff in there. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. those warbands are right on the shelf. I swear to God, didn't even blink. And I walked up, grabbed the warbands, went to the register. And I was like, I looked at the G-Dub guy. And I was like, bro, you owe me commission. Like, as a joke, you know? And he was <laughs> laughing. But we sold, like, eight, like, Harrow Deep Nether Maze Narwood boxes that weekend. Because um, I was there Saturday and Sunday helping, you know, run people through games. So I was super excited. Nice. Um, and so I'm, I'm really happy that Narwood has really... Uh, improved interest and it sounds like in in your store and in i guess kyle you go to the same store but you went to a different dw did you get that same vibe or 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, it was probably half new players, half returning players, so definitely like pretty even split. And I mean, with you know, the sales stuff is like that's to a, a retailer thing years ago when I was working at a, a local store. You know, wizards talk about like you know, play equal sales. Like people get excited about it. You know, it's like and Underworld is such a good example because it's like you grab a box, you've got a whole new thing to explore because every character is new for you. The whole warband, the way they play now. You know, obviously, if you get a nemesis now, like what combinations can you do there? So they're really like solid expansions because it's it's multiple use with them, right? And then the warbands obviously operate so differently. So yeah, that's well said. That's absolutely correct. And I, and I think it's like uh, I don't know if you said did you say Friday Night Magic? Is that what you just said, or did I just imagine that? But it's similar. Just magic and just play yeah. play equal sales, right? Like yeah. events lead to sales, and like stores will stores do better if people are there playing and having a good time. And yeah. I think it, it I, magic's a good example because I think like win or lose on Friday Night Magic, like if you win, you're running hot, you're excited, you're like, fuck it, I'll buy some packs. Should I not be swearing? I don't know if that's a thing. It's but, okay. Yeah. We, it's a family we, we friendly. Are family friendly. friendly. I'll, tone down. I'll tone it down though, because I'll yeah. tone it down. <laughs> tone um, it down, Kyle. You're at F and M. You're having a good time, and I haven't done that for years, but. Um, you know, if you're running hot, you're having a good time, crack some packs, it's fun. If you're not doing so hot, you want to feel a little better, crack some packs to feel a little better. You know? There you so go. I think it's, you, know, you can apply that to kind of everything. Again, Underworlds is a good example because if you don't own everything, you can grab something off the shelf. And you could even just push fit the models together if you wanted to. You get them built in, you know, half an hour and be playing with them that night. So Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't judge anyone who does the whole push to fit stuff, but I literally have someone in my community He'll buy warbands and then like use his fingers, break them off the mold, oh, push them together, and I cringe <laughs> every time. Yeah. I just start cringing. I, I have to leave actually at that point. But uh, no judgment. But you know, as a as a warhammer a dude, I'm, I'm I cry inside. Yeah, Zach, you were saying something. Mm. No, it, it, it's just painful. I've, I've seen that as well. And you know, everyone should enjoy their hobby in the way they can. But I'm like, yeah. Come on, they're such nice models. Treat them with a little bit of respect. But, you know, not up it's, to me to it, yuck it's funny, my, um, A buddy of mine from our local paint group, he just got, I just got him and that's who I was playing with yesterday. And he was like, you know, and I've heard this comment before. People are like, oh, I'm so surprised how good the models are because they're push fit. Because I think the insinuation with the push fit models is that the quality is not going to be as high. But mm-hmm. I say all the time, I think Underworlds is the best range on the whole that GW's ever done. Because every model is a character model, so every you know every model, every warband is like super high quality. Yeah, you know, you know so a lot of that. A lot of that comes the from. Doesn't hurt. A, a lot of that comes from 40k and AOS, where the push fits are like it's the easy to build stuff, and you know they don't look bad. But you look at like the Vanquishers, the uh, easy build uh, push fit stuff that came out alongside uh, Dominion a year or two back, whenever that came out. Um, and it's like they're fine, but you can see the lines and like. Uh, sometimes the seams go in weird places and it, it's just it's just kind of generic looking and people like to pose I think that's the big thing is people really like to pose and like it's hard to kit bash as well for push fit so like people are like oh you know why would I buy something that I can't kit bash or like you know put in a cool pose that's that's unique to me or like add on you know backpacks or add on you know different swords to a but weapon you can, type of thing. you can but it's not as easy as it is with, you know, a multi-part model. And I think they don't give sure. it a, a second look, even though, as Kyle said, I think, I agree. I think the models for Underworlds are the best of what GW does right now. Yeah. I mean, look, you're yeah. preaching to the choir, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I'm sure, I, I think I'm the sure everyone who, are the best as well. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is, uh, 
would probably agree. But uh, yeah, I, I just got to rant about that. No, no, for sure. Well, we'll get into more uh, Underworlds talk in a second. Um, or well, actually, this whole episode is about Underworlds, but other aspects <laughs> of the community and stuff. So um, let's jump into our first, uh, I guess, name segment or recurring segment, which is um, Sleeve It or Leave It, where we talk about a card. Um, discuss the pros and cons, and then we decide individually if we're going to sleeve the card or leave it wherever it is you leave your cards. And so this card was selected by our guest today, Mr. Pale King Hobby, and uh, it's from the Tooth and Claw Rivals deck. And uh, Kyle, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so the card is Brutal Transformation. It's an upgrade. Uh, it reads, you cannot give this to a leader or a large fighter. Uh, this uh this fighter is a beast. Uh, you get plus two damage to their range one attack actions, and you cannot make super actions. It's a so, lot. It's a lot of. It's yeah, a lot of stuff lot on of there. Happen there, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess Kyle, since you picked the card and you are our guest, um, why do you want to? Do you want to sleeve it or do you want to leave it? What's your thoughts? I want to sleeve this every time, dude. One hundred percent. I'm a big aggro player. I love just the beatdown. Um, played Molog and Hrothgorn for like a long time, and for this like. There's a lot of stipulation going on here. Obviously, no leader, no large fighter. So currently, I'm playing a lot of um, Wormspat and Gorechosen. So, like you know, if you get the extra wounds on the Wormspat, you can't put it on the two on the boys, and obviously, you can't put it on Fekvela, and you can't put it on two of the three fighters in Gorechosen. So it's no good there. But I do want to get back to Ideneth eventually, and I think that is a great spot for this because um, you've got some pretty accurate fighters, and uh, once you get them going to four wounds, if you're just cutting down four health guys. Uh, now, again, you can't make super actions, so you're going to want some movement stuff in there and no scything on this either. Um, and the fighter being a beast, I don't think that that's uh, an issue as far as I know. I don't like, I don't, I couldn't, I'm not super involved with the championship meta right now. I don't think there's any cards that are really damaging you being a beast. Um, so that one seems pretty null to me, but yeah, I'm sleeving that bad boy. Okay. I, I like sleep. that. What about you, Zach? Um, I sleeve it immediately because this is an exiled dead card. Uh, and you know me, I'm an exiled dead person. Um, I, you know, the downside of beast, um, being you can't hold weapons and you can't hold objectives. Um, I think the objective thing is kind of null because like if you're playing that hard aggro to the point where you're bringing something like this, you don't care about objectives. If all the only thing you care about is maybe destroying them or standing on feature tokens because a lot of cards nowadays reference feature instead of objective so it kind of doesn't matter um the downside of not bringing weapons i think in a different meta would be a big deal but i think at the moment there's only a handful of good weapons i think it's like cursed boarding pike and cursed cutlass whatever the the four fury two damage uh, one is um yeah Something cursed that's really good yeah. for no reason. All the cursed cards where you roll four dice, it's very strong. Um, in not being able to use those is a downside, but like, I don't think you're going to run the, like, it would only be a downside if you're like super limited on fighters and it's like, oh, I have to put both of these on the same fighter. But if you're running a warband like Exile Dead, who can't use weapons anyway, or if you're running a warband that has five six models maybe you're running uh despoilers maybe you're running um uh kynan's reapers for instance i think would not be terrible with this card because you can make multi moves um 
you don't really care about not being able to upgrade that weapon. So I think I think it's yeah, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and sleeve it. It works for the factions that I like to play, which is why I'm gonna sleeve it. Um but I can see some people not enjoying this card. And I think uh, Amon may have a dissenting opinion on this. Oh, you know me too well. <laughs> Look, guys, if there's one thing that I've learned over the, what, the last five years of Warhammer Underworlds, mm-hmm. it's your ABCs. Always be charging. And this card, don't let me make no charges. <laughs> and so for that reason... I'm out. No, I'm just kidding. Look, uh, it's uh, I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank. <laughs> um, I, I I will leave it honestly because look, and I and what actually what got my gears turning is what Kyle you were saying earlier, like I didn't f because I didn't even think to like put this on the crab, right? Because like you can the crab will always react and can like move up and you can get supporting attacks and cool, stuff. Yeah. So you charge with somebody, the crab walks up, the crab is now in position, right? You never have to charge with the crab in some cases, and so then the crab now attacks in your following power step, you know, and and uh, mm-hmm. or activation rather, and you know, crabs hitting for four damage on three fury when he's inspired is pretty nutty. So I, I do dig that concept. Works great with exiled dead, even um, you know fighters that can come back. You know, if you can place them correctly on the positioning with the starting hexes, um, multi moves, etc. So I, I like the concept of that. I just don't play with those kind of warbands, right? Like I, and so for that reason, um, I, I I think I'm leaving it unless I play one of those warbands, and then in that case, sure I'll sleeve it. But right now, all the aggro warbands I'm playing are like Gore Chosen, uh, Hexbane's, Gnarl Spirit. I'm even dabbling Sons of Velmorn, um, Forest Riders. <coughs> Excuse me, and I need those guys to be making super actions. Yeah, I, I think. If you're playing a four model or less, even a five model or less team, uh, it's it loses some of that luster. Um, but my, I have to give a shout out to Skaven, who can, you know, you can res anywhere on the board with this. And uh, turns out there's a lot of starting hexes on the board. You just usually res next to somebody with a with a fighter that has this equipped and maybe one other upgrade. It's pretty good. Yeah, this would like uh, what's it called, Black Hunger or whatever, and. Well, you can't you know, use Black Hunger because that gives you Scything, but you can put it on either of oh, the other two. But that's right, it think. has the best synergy with Expendable because what are you going to do? Kill him? He's not worth anything. Yes, unless you have Cold Iron Nails and then you can get the glory point. <sighs> Hexbanes, man. Tell you what. They are your bane. Um, they are, man. They have we, we had, Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, yeah, so it looks like we've got two sleeves and one semi-leave. Is that where we're at? Yeah. So so overall, pretty good. Yeah. It's a good card. I'm really glad you recommended it because um, now it's got my, my gears turning. I might I might sleeve it soon. We'll see. Yeah. I, I had it on Golgoth last weekend, and like he just stood there, but he just was cutting people down. It was, I mean, he was at three hammers on the Inspire with Cleave. You're like just gutting people. It was awesome. That's, that's <laughs> terrifying. Three smash. Yeah. Yeah. Is it three smash, four damage with Cleave? Hmm. That's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, and then you can, which is probably a compliment. And they've got what? Uh, is it unstoppable tread? Their infection duelist speed. You just yeah. like Ooh. hit hit somebody, push, then push again. It's pretty good. Yeah, actually, if you're really piling on the sidesteps and stuff, and 
Or if you have a faction with innate distractions as well, like I think that yeah, I see it. I see it, guys. Yeah, it could be good. I mean, it's on the same token. It is all your opponent needs to do is push you one away. Yeah, so, yeah. You uh, know, and then you're in a situation where like you, you oh, I can't charge now. What are you going to do? Just move. So I think it's a situ- It's a card where you you have to be in position, slap it down, hope they don't have anything to move you, and then get that swing in. For the most part, yeah. But, Without uh, getting too deep in the weeds, this if you are playing Nemesis, um, I think it gains a lot of value because. There's not a whole lot of distractions in Nemesis. Uh, there's only a handful of factions yeah. that have them. And the deck that this is in has Call to Heal. And because you become a beast, you can push the person with Brutal Transformation four hexes adjacent to mm-hmm. another fighter. So, like, there there is some synergy within its own deck. And if you have a, you know, faction pushes or faction distractions, like, it just, it just gains a lot of value. That's a good shot. Okay, well, I think um, that's some great discussion on Brutal Transformation, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, let us know if you're playing with the card, if you like it, if you don't, would you sleeve it, would you leave it? Um, let us know and what warbands you like it with in our Discord. Um, moving on now to our next segment, Inspiration Strikes. Um, this is, I think, one of the more, uh, it, it's a recent, uh, I guess, segment that we've been doing, but it's actually gotten really good reviews the whole time through um and so i'm I'm really excited about it uh and i think it's my turn this time right zach yep i'm pretty sure i did it last time okay so i have one minute for those of you are not familiar i have one minute uninterrupted where i can say whatever the hell i want to say about warhammer underworlds it can be a rant it can be a speech it can be an inspiring monologue um, or I could just, you know, do stand-up for a minute. Who knows? It's just whatever really I want to do. I won't be doing stand-up. Um, Davey already told me he hates my puns. So, well, I've got a timer um, ready whenever you're ready to get started. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you do a countdown and then we will get started. And yeah, I apologize right. if I cough because <laughs> I got COVID while I was visiting my family in India for my cousin's wedding. And I'm telling you guys, Indian COVID hits different because <laughs> I came back and like after three, four days, I was testing negative and I had no longer like symptoms or I wasn't feeling like, <coughs> you know, like crap. But I have this like, I honestly, it feels like a smoker's cough and it's, it's the worst feeling. So, Eesh. yeah, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I got a timer. Zero. So uh, if you're ready, we can go in three, two, one. Go. Uh, so today I'm going to talk about just being positive uh, when it comes to building your communities. Um, I think that there's been a lot of change that's happened with Warhammer Underworlds recently um, and some decisions that aren't necessarily popular with certain segments or groups. But always keep in mind that when you are talking about the game and sharing your emotions and your feelings, that you're always taking into account what a new player might perceive when they come into your community or they read that conversation. Um, Discord and other places are a safe space for you to truly tell people how you feel. But because there's so much hype going around with Narwood right now, I think it's really important to focus on the fact that regardless if people are paying rivals, nemesis, or championship, that you support that decision and you get them in and you're inclusive because that's what's going to grow the game and that's what's going to drive the game. For example, I love championship. Kyle told me he likes Nemesis the most, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And the reason, like, I don't have a problem with Kyle. I don't think he's weird because he wants to play Nemesis. I support it. I'm like, hell yeah, play your game. Spread that love, spread that joy. And so all this Time's differentiating up. descent or... Yeah, there we go. So yeah. it's kind of 
kind of almost where of I was it. going, but yeah, yeah, j- just about got there. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on my one minute? <laughs> Kylie, got any thoughts about positivity? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, of course, that's that's the way things should be in life, right? Like, a positivity, like, it's. You, for the most part, in my experience of life with people in general, you, what you are thinking, how you are interacting with people, who you are, it, it exudes out and it comes back, right? So, like, if you're negative, if you're gonna, like, start fights with people and be a word I won't use because this is a family friendly podcast, <laughs> uh, it's, it's gonna come back. It's not gonna be good for anybody, and especially in the gaming community and in something like this where we live in a, day and age with gaming where it's a very saturated market there's a ton of games available and if there's something you want to be happening something you want to be playing because you love it you have to get out there and, and do the work and be good to people to get them coming back um i mean there was on that same vein we that tournament that i went to last week the the gw store manager decided he was going to give the trophy to the best new player so like it's part of me upset that i didn't get to take my trophy home because i won like yeah of course i like i have a collection of trophies i love taking them home it's like a good feeling like but at the same time i say it with the painting stuff too all the time like i have a trophy with a bunch of of a case with a bunch of trophies in it from painting stuff over the year but it's the memory that i care about it's like the it's the people that i met it's the time that i had it's the experience that i had painting the models and or playing the game like that's really what matters like all this stuff is it's just stuff right so it is what it is and there's plenty of, there's still plenty of, of cool stuff to take home. I took home a, a huge stack of stuff from just that, the OP kit having a ton of junk in it, which was awesome. I love, it was nice, like having them back and deck boxes and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you get your best Good painted uh, card that time? I did. I did. So now I can take my half finished or chosen to events and start playing them, <laughs> which makes me very excited. Those warm spat are nice, man. Thank you. Spent a lot of time on those boys. It was like, I, it was a warband that I painted them for the models. I didn't expect to get much play in with them. And now I've played two events with them and I'm kind of falling in love. So I'll definitely be seeing some more table time. I love that. This is, this is a very chaos friendly podcast. So we are some quite literally on the be. path to glory. <laughs> yeah. I guess Zach is like a weird combination of, if there was like a death warband that you know, like that. You remember that dude from back in the day in like the world that was. He was like, I think his name was Krell. Krell. Yeah. Yeah. He was like a yeah. chaos warrior that was resurrected, and he's like, "Screw chaos! I'm all death now." But he wore the yeah. chaos armor. That's exactly. Yeah. If they make a uh, an undead Skaven team, I won't play anything else for like the next year and a half. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> um, but Zach, Zach, what are your thoughts on some of the stuff I talked about just now? Uh, I definitely agree. I mean, I think uh, I think the internet is a very easy place to get heated, and the internet is a very easy place to state your opinion, and then you, I don't want to say, it's a place where people like to act as if they're screaming into the void, because you like to just be like, I'm upset about the thing, and then someone's like, you know, you know, they give their feedback, they're like, well, you shouldn't be upset, or like, I understand you're upset, but I disagree or something like that. And some people just want to scream into the void and they don't, they don't want this void to scream back, you know? Um, And I think it's hard to um, remember that there are people on both sides. A a lot of the negativity comes from disagreements and a lot of the negativity comes from differing opinions. Uh, So I just encourage people to just have like a smidge of empathy, you know, try to remember that we all love this game. We all like playing with each other. 
uh, at the board, um, you know, over online, however you choose to enjoy the game. Uh, and uh, just don't like, don't treat people like villains. And I think that will really improve your experience. Um, and, you know, kind of like we said, just bring more uh, positivity into the into the game. So, yeah. Um, but I agree with everything you said. I mean, I think you're right. We do need to put on a, a, not put on a happy face, but like put our best foot forward, you know, make the community seem welcoming and inviting. And that can be difficult. But, um, you know, I think like Kyle said, if you're trying to grow that community and you're trying to get people in and you're trying to make the game you love something that everyone else loves, like you're going to do it better with a smile on your face than you do uh, with a frown. I think uh, I think that effort and positivity, like it, also like branches out to every part of your life, right? Like you meet, I've met plenty of people over the years working, and they're, you know, people don't want to like put the effort in at work because they don't care about work or whatever. But it's like then if you can't put the effort in at work, you can't put the effort in with your gaming. You can't put the effort into like be positive in parts of your life. Like it, it won't translate to the thing you think you want to be doing. Like it's just, every aspect of your life is a good opportunity to practice being the best version of yourself and the person you want to be. And by that, that's like us playing with little toy models or you work for a multi-million dollar company or you're dealing with something at home. Like it's all the same. You, you try and do your best and try and be the best person you can. Right. So it's again, taking like a part of your life that doesn't seem like it matters and it does. Right. Cause it, it all matters. It does. Oh, yeah. Well said. I, yeah, it matters. And, uh, and you're right. It, it applies to everything outside of, you know, underworlds or tabletop gaming in general. But I just, I had just seen a lot of <clears throat> conjecture surrounding, like Nemesis is, Nemesis is like champion, like a joke compared to championship, or like Rivals is a completely different game, or whatever. And it's like, those are your opinions. Cool. You don't always have to share them, and if you do, you should also, you know, maybe with the caveat that like, you have nothing against people who um, are playing those formats because like there's a. Sometimes I feel like when I'm going through some of the discords is like. Some of the people who like Nemesis don't say anything because someone, as soon as someone brings up Nemesis positively, like five people come in and shut it down. Um, and so that's all I was uh, – is, is the point is like don't do that because if if you're not going to let them be part of your community online, um, which is which again, if you think about it, these are the people that care the most because they care enough to join an online community, right? They're not just playing locally with their buddies at their local game store. And you turn them off from the game, that's going to just domino effect into like more negativity. So like like Kyle says, um, you shoot out positivity, you get back positivity, right? So hmm. got a little spiritual, you know, worldly <laughs> on, on the pod bit. a little bit, but uh, hey, I'm all I'm all about it. So thank you for that, Kyle. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so let's jump into um, I guess the far list, right? I mean, it's. Um, it's something that kind of came out a little while ago now. Um, and so uh, I think it was around like the first weekend of November. So actually not too long ago. Um, but the idea here is that we want to discuss some of the changes to the championship format. I know, Kyle, that you haven't really played much championship. But it's I always going to say, I don't think that I played championship since Adopticon. Well, that's not too long ago. No, I know, but it just, I think everything else, it's been Rivals Plus and then Rivals now, I think, has been since then. Well, yeah, 
I guess. I think it's the important it's thing. Is, I mean, I, I mean, I play plenty of it. I, I, you know, but I, it's, I'm not super up. To, I was looking before we started about some of these new cards that got put on the list because I'm like, I don't know what that card is. So, um, but it was interesting to see like what was, what kind of got put on there that I wasn't very familiar with. Yeah, but also like what things got removed as well, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So, I don't know if anyone has an older far list. I tried to find the one before this and I couldn't find it. Yeah, they, um, I, actually, I think somebody has kept copies, but I don't. I wouldn't have it offhand, honestly. Yeah, <clears throat> I just, um, I just always talk about the cards that are like are new, mm-hmm. but never like the ones that have already been there. But anyways, we'll go through it. Zach, why don't you lead us off? I've been talking for a little bit. Um, sure. So why don't you let people know where they can find the document if they're not familiar with it, and then we can kind of give our thoughts on on what that means for the game. Sure. Yeah. If you're, you know, new or learning or just have never really tried to find it yourself, uh, you can go to the Warhammer community site. Uh, and then up at the top, there will be a section called FAQs and downloads. You want the downloads section. Uh, FAQs is going to be your erratas and questions and answers. Um, but the download section and then navigate to Underworlds uh, will give you the rules for the different formats. Um championship is located under rivals nowadays or not under rivals under relic nowadays uh so you'll just open up that file and uh you'll be able to find it in there um championship uh document you know just kind of tells you how to build the game or how to build your deck for a game of championship uh and how to play the game in like a best of three what boards are legal that sort of stuff um do we want to talk about the change to deck building? Yeah, that's a tricky uh, conversation. Um, yes. I think we can. Um, and I'd, I'd actually really like to... I know you want to, actually. Because I got to share my thoughts on an article. But you didn't get to... Yeah, so that's fair. Let's do it. And and Kyle, I know that as someone who has previously played Championship, but now is leaning towards Nemesis, I want to get your thoughts on it, too. So, Zach, why don't you kick us off... Um, and if it's if and if it's maybe too negative, maybe we start with Kyle. <laughs> um, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be too negative. Um, so the change for our listeners and for people who may not be uh, knowledgeable about it, um, y- there's a new bullet point here during deck building. Uh, it says you can only use one plot card, with the exception of your Warbands plot card. Uh, plot card being a separate card that comes with a rival's deck. This means that you can only use one Rivals deck that uses a plot card, and any number of Rivals decks that do not use plot cards when building your deck. So that seems like a small point. Um, However, there's only four Rivals decks in the game. Two of them have plot cards, which means that all of the current Gnarlwood cards, uh, or Universal cards, rather, are locked behind. Like, it's an either-or. You're either taking Daring Delver's cards, or you're taking um, uh, Tooth and Claw cards. I don't think this to, is a to huge... To share some of the math behind that real oh, quick. Sure. Is, so if there's 60, 64 new universals that are released in Narwood through those two decks, mm-hmm. um, not only is that less cards than Nether Maze had, Nether Maze had 86, so you're getting roughly 25% less cards in general, um, but because you can only use 32 cards, when you compare that again to previous seasons, the percentage of available cards actually shrinks down to a further 37%. So it, it's severely limiting in terms of the available current card pool who what's to say that changes in the future but that's the math kind of behind it right now but sorry i didn't mean to interrupt zach just wanted to clarify no that's good um 
Yeah, so it, it is a big lockout, and I agree that we're living in a time of um, probably less cards available for championship than really ever before. Uh, every time you have a seasonal rotation uh, and old seasons go away, it's always a small card pool available. Now it's a small card pool and half the season is locked. Like, you can only pick one or the other. Uh, it does put a damper on things, especially when a lot of Harrow Deep and Nether Maze are, like, soft rotated, so to speak, because they had so much to do with cover, and there's a lot less cover in the game, and you have a lot less control over it. Um, so I think the deck building championship can feel a little weird right now. However, I don't particularly dislike the change, and I'll say why, um, is that... Personally, I, I enjoyed Nemesis. I'm kind of on the same page as Kyle. Uh, and I like that this allows them to design very strong cards without having to immediately restrict them, right? Uh, you know, in the past, let, like, let's look at a specific meta. Like, let's look at the primacy meta, right? Um, there was a time during Dire Chasm, uh, both Beastgrave and Herodeep versions of uh, Dire Chasm, where... Everything was just like, stack up on a big dude, and then, you know, he gets you primacy, and he does a bunch of killing. But, like, if primacy was in one deck, and all the Voltron cards were in another deck, that build wouldn't have existed. Because you would only have primacy, or you would only have all, like, the plus damage and plus uh, wounds and healing and stuff, and you wouldn't be able to mix them together for one uber-powerful aggro deck. And I think rivals splitting out rivals deck even championship where i understand it it does limit championship as a deck building uh, allows them to print powerful cards without having unintended interactions and i think that's a net positive in general uh, even though it does have a it does come with the negative of um like i said just having a more limited card pool to build from. So anyway, that that's my bit of rambling thought on it. I think it's fine. Um, if they decide to revert it and go back to old championship deck building, cool. I'm absolutely happy with that. I like old championship deck building. I'm sure we're going to come up with something broken. Uh, Quick Roots already needs to be restricted anyway. <laughs> Maybe it'll get banned. It's so freaking strong. Um, but if they leave it as is, I'm also going to be just fine with it. So yeah, what about you guys? What's your What's your thoughts with this? Kyle, what do you think? Uh, I didn't know about this until earlier today. I saw I'd come across it on one of the Facebook groups, actually. Uh, I agree with what Zach said, because in my mind, like, it's there's a bunch of ping cards between the two decks right now, as far as I know. I didn't look too much into the Daring Delvers, but there's ping cards in there, right? Like, deal damage. Ping yeah, everywhere right now. Yeah, yeah, right. So, like, so I think, you know, obviously, those cards, historically, super powerful to just play a card and do damage. And if you can just jam them in your deck, especially, like, again, I'm playing Gorchos, and I already have two in my faction... And then I get access to a bunch more. Like, if I just draw my hand and just play my hand and just kill one of your dudes, like, that's not fun, right? And that's a, that's a specific scenario. But it's the same lines as what Zach is saying. I think it's a good way to, like, restrict the deck building without having to go in later and have and do it anyway. Um, but I don't know. Maybe is the general worse than specific? Because then you've got less options for people. Do most players even care about that? I mean, obviously, like, championship and the, the far list is, is geared towards the game being competitive. Um, and options in that competitive, you know, this is some of the stuff with the format, um, discussion, but you know, like, 
putting your touch on a deck and having more tools to choose from is that's obviously the appeal of the deck building and not having that identity is kind of removes a lot of the enticement of having cards in the game in general to me um but yeah, I don't know. I, you know, then it's like if they go back to the old championship building and they remove you being able to use the plot card, does that change things? Like not having the benefit of well, you, you know, still I mean, get the, but if you don't have the plot card, you can't score half of the you, you stuff would still in get those the decks, pl- right? You'd like, still get a plot card, but you would only be able the, the way it is written in the rule book is that you pick one plot card, even if you have multiple decks in your like multiple nemesis or rivals decks picked for your deck, you would just be able to use one plot card. Uh, but you would be able to take the cards from multiple rival stacks. This stipulation just doesn't allow you to mix and match the cards either. So I think if right. they go to what it says in the rule book, and it's like you can take Tooth and Claw, but then you can also throw in Quick Roots or Prospector or some of these other uh, good cards that are in Daring Delvers, uh, Brave the Root Maze, which is a great uh, surge objective, um, then like the decks become stronger. And there are probably some crazy interactions in there that are unintended, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's good for the game. It, it is. It is, and it's not right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, I think the biggest thing that both of you are are saying, um, or Zach especially, is that it does feel limiting, right? Like there is a subset of players who have been very faithful to Warhammer Underworlds over the last five years through its trials, tribulations, ups and downs, a giant pandemic, global pandemic rather. And they those people still played because they were interested in testing their ability to not only play a miniatures game, a pseudo board game at this point, but also like their deck building skills, right? Like what cards, what cool combinations, what nifty, unique tricks that I can come up with that no one else can or that I come up with and I popularize, right? To where this becomes potentially a de facto way to play this warband. And you you really can't do that when you have a pre-built deck and a pre-built deck. And then you just kind of mix it with old cards that most of them don't really do anything right now. Because cover is is not is like, you know, non-existent at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people who are trying to make those things work and, and flex their, their, their brains in different ways. And I applaud and I appreciate that. But for the vast majority of us who don't just solo one warband and try to like maximize one warband. I think that's where the challenge comes from. Um, I obviously like if, if, if you really want to get my full comprehensive thoughts and, and you haven't read my article yet to whoever's listening, just go to pathglorypodcast.com and you can just look at my thoughts on the championship format. And I do go a little bit deeper, but one of the things that again, in the limiting aspect of things is that there's some rivals decks that are just better than others. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're playing Gore chosen, you're taking daring delvers. There's domain cards in there. There are cards that specifically mention corn fighters. There's ping damage in there, and it's aggressive anyways, right? You want to hold feature tokens outside of your territory, and Gortos and love the middle of the board, which is no man's land is still outside of their territory. But then, like yeah. Conqueror's Circlet is just so good. It makes your leader plus one move, and then the entire warband plus one move. If you have a three three move warband that everyone complains about. You just made your entire warband four move. And then if your leader inspires and goes to four move, then they are now five move and your whole warband is five move. It's incredible, right? Um, and that just can be the difference for some slower aggressive warbands or elite warbands. So I think that's kind of where like some of the conflict lies is that it's limiting, but 
so like limiting isn't a bad thing. It's just for some people like more decision points and some people don't. And that's kind of where the the dichotomy, I think, in my opinion, lies. Yeah, I mean, the question really is, um, you're comparing a curated experience versus a open experience, right? And Championship has been ultimately a very open experience up until now. Um, a lot of other games use curated experiences where you don't have much choice. Um, Kill Team uses a very curated experience. You don't have a whole lot of choice in list building, in um, what toys and tools and tricks are available to you. Like, once you pick a faction, you're kind of, you know, you pick Intercession Squad and you play the same as every other Primaris Marine player. You play, pick uh, Death Guard and you play the same as every other Death Guard player, right? Um, and I think people who play Championship and enjoy Championship have been used to this more open, unstructured... I mean, there's structure, but it's, it is ultimately fairly unstructured um, uh, design. Uh, and to go from that to a very structured, curated, you know, we've made this cool... We've made these cool decks and we want you to play them as intended. To go to that from Championship, I think it's jarring. Uh, and I think that is... Everyone deals with jarring change very differently. Yeah, like, like, like you know, like we go back to positivity, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. some people will be positive about it, even when they, even if they don't, if they truly feel turmoil internally, they're just going to publicly say good things or positive things because they want their game to grow. Mm -hmm. And look, this is this is all incumbent upon the fact that like we only have, <coughs> excuse me, two rivals decks right now. If you yes. look at the the chart or the preview that they, the timeline that they posted. Right? New Warband, December 2022. New Rivals deck, Fearsome Fortress. Will it have a plot card? We don't know. Mm -hmm. um, then in February, New Warband, Beastbound Assault. Will it have a plot card? Yes or no? Like, doesn't mean all decks will have plot cards, right? But if, right. if the first four decks or the first three decks that come out have plot cards, this problem gets exacerbated until we yes. reach a point where there are no more plot cards, right? So maybe in the season after Gnarlwood, Maybe more decks have less plot cards. Then it widens things open a bit. So to me, it's just things change with the season, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like you're going to wear a sweater in the in the winter. You're not going to wear it in the summer. And <laughs> that's kind of how it goes with these seasons is, you know, sometimes you get cover. Sometimes you get no cover. Sometimes you get more cards. Sometimes you get, you know, less limited, but, you know, more pointed decisions. So I, I, I think that it is hard on the design sometimes though because there's such a downpour of cards for specific things like primacy like cover and then when things flop over all of a sudden like all like what's the percentage of cards that are not usable or like very difficult to use when the, you, the design is so harshly put on um, a specific idea um, but again that, that's the beauty of it at the same time is that like you got to play in this very specific weird time in the game where you got to play cover like crazy you got to play primacy like crazy you got to play the hunter quarry thing like crazy like um it's it hurts and it's it's good thing right it's a, that but that's the game yeah yeah for better or for worse that's underworlds so <laughs> take your poison right yeah yeah and i think in a perfect world, wide open championship deck building with crazy Farless and stuff and Nemesis structured, you know, thematic deck building, they would live in harmony side by side. Uh, I think 
and I think this is going to lead into a future discussion, so stop me if I'm getting too deep into it. Um, I think the issue is that we don't necessarily have a large enough player base to really fracture it across two different formats, and GW is deciding which one they want to push as their primary way of playing. Um, and we can discuss the impact of such a decision uh, as we get into that actual topic. Yeah. I think my only thought on that would be like, if I was GW, I would also, I would also push rivals Mm. because the more people that, or, or, or nemesis, whichever, if you're, if you, if rivals is not in the conversation and you're looking between nemesis and championship, I would also push nemesis. And this is someone who's a die. I'm a diehard championship player. The -hmm. reason being is because the more people that play rivals means the more people will play nemesis. And the more people that play Nemesis, you would in theory have that same cascading effect where more people will promote or upgrade or rank up into championship. You need people to fall in love with the game at its base level first. And then as they go deeper and wider, then they can explore more facets of the game, whether that's, as Kyle alluded to earlier, more warbands, right? Or that's more decks. Or it's more complicated or more layered styles of gameplay. Um, so I don't fault GW for pushing a certain narrative, um, as you will. I think for me, it's more so like keep doing what you're doing and like pushing X format and trying to drive more, um, more people to the game because it's clearly working. But like, just leave championship alone. That's also <laughs> like, it's not going to change how many people join the game and play rivals, right? Right. And the more happy championship players you have, in theory, that could also have a positive cascading effect. But again, like, <clears throat> I mean, I also don't know what else there is to say on that subject, but I mean, Kyle, Zach, you might, since you've opened the can, you might as well, you know, drink the, the liquid. I, I had made the a worms. comment to you the other day about the the worms are out. Um, I think that, you know, Underworlds for me is, it scratches every itch that I've ever had with gaming because it is a board game in a way. I love the Hexbase movement. It has got amazing miniatures, which I love painting and I love miniatures. It's got dice and it's got cards and it's got the deck building aspect with the cards. So for me, like coming from magic, coming from being a Warhammer player forever, coming from like doing a lot of board gaming with friends and family, like it's everything I could I could want out of a game. But I think the sell to a player who is just a mini war gamer, who is just a card gamer, getting them in the ease of access of rivals is, as you said, that's it's that's how you sell, right? You say like, no, it's you. You don't have to build the deck. You're like good to go. So it's an easy transition for your mini war games come over and be like, okay, I know minis and I know dice and now, okay, now I can kind of learn cards too. Right. Um, but again, I think rivals is, is just, if we, it's okay to start going down this road with the formats that rivals is, it's just lackluster to me. It's the decks are fine. And like the, some of them are fun ish, but ultimately like there's a lot of cards that are for very specific situations and the decks previously, at least with the championship and mindset, or in mind had to be designed to give options for building, right? So like you're going to have a weird split of like 50, 50 cards in there, or, you know, like cards for specific deck building situations um, that are just not going to play out in a, like every game or like one out of every 10 games, you're going to play this card and be like, Oh, look, my card worked. And then, but otherwise like just having dead cards in your hand is like, that's not fun for anybody. Um, that's, but that's why I like nemesis again, as you said earlier, like I'm starting to really like the idea of nemesis because 
as I mentioned, there's a lot of games out there, and I like playing a lot of different games, and there's a lot of things to do in life. So it's like, you know, to have the ease of access to drop in Underworlds or have people that are like, oh, you know, I don't really love doing the deck building with like a million cards in mind, to just have, like, just grab two decks and match them together. Like, okay, that's easy enough, but you still get a little bit of your identity imprinted on it and a little bit of play around with it. I do think maybe min-maxing is like a little too easy because, like, again, you're just going to take the two decks and be like, let me grab all the terrible cards out of both of them and now just put them together and then I have to make like a couple cuts and then from there like how many times you're going to go back and investigate how much better you can really make the deck um and again then when new decks come out like when the new rivals decks come out it's great because then maybe now you smash the new one in there and you've got a whole new thing to explore for a little while but championship just always felt so good because it was so many new cards you know they would come out and we'd be all meet up at the store and then you crack the packs and you're like oh let's like just jam a couple cards in and see how they play and like you've got a ton of new stuff and then all kind of ideas start flowing and again the identity thing is like i gonna come back to magic like say like ravnica if you're not familiar with ravnica it's like it was like city of guilds and all the guilds had a different two color combination and like players love that because you get to kind of take it take on the identity of it and then your deck is like, this is like my little, like, my little is it deck. It's like blue and red, and I like made it. It's like spells and stuff. And the Underworld's building the deck, same thing. If you don't get to put your identity on the deck building, it just, it, that aspect of the game starts to fall by the wayside to me. And, um, and it, it almost feels like a little moot to even be there at a point where like you're not able to play with it, because it just, it is what it is, right? Like, and then it's just not fun to do anything with. Yeah, I, I definitely no, agree I about Rivals. Like, while it's really nice that the new... So the two new decks, Stirring Delvers and um, Tooth and Claw, are really streamlined and coherent, and they feel much better. Like, if you compare to Silent Menace back in the day or um, even uh, D- Deadly Depths that we have right now, which are not very coherent decks, um, I would say... Uh, Tooth and Claw and Daring Delphers, like, you can pick them up and play with them and you feel like you're having a, a reasonable shot. And I think that's great for old warbands, but I definitely agree about identity. Like, you can pick up Tooth and Claw, and uh, Kyle, our friend uh, Kevin, um, loves to play Tooth and Claw with Magor's Fiends. And it's actually really great on them. But you don't feel like you're playing Magor's Fiends. You feel like you're playing four stat sticks and Tooth and Claw. Um, and there's a lot of factions that are like that because a lot of their... Uh, identity is in their cards so i think that's what makes nemesis really nice you get ease of play plus identity where nemesis doesn't really have that um and then championship championship has more identity because you got to get to lean into what your faction does best and like make them play in new and interesting ways but like you lose the ease of play so you know they're I'm very easygoing when it comes to this sort of thing. There's pluses and minuses to all the different formats, and I think they're all good for the game in their own way. Uh, I'll take the very diplomatic, non-committal answer when it comes to that. Yeah, and and look, I think I think that's kind of the best policy to have, right? Is to be a bit diplomatic and 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 to and to just genuinely take a look at what's good and what's bad. Uh, and just finding a middle ground and like just focusing on the positive and and with that I think we have spent quite a bit of time talking about the formats and and I really do want to discuss the far list and I also want to um, it's a rabbit know, spend hole. some time yeah. getting to know yeah it's a rabbit hole so let's let's move on and let's talk about other things 
So, so we're yeah, on the far list. We're um, on the far list. Uh, and we, we, we talked about the first point, uh, and I was going through. So I can continue um, going on to our restricted cards. Um, I don't believe... Oh, yeah, no. Some things did come off of the restricted list. Um, certain things... Uh, actually, no. Did anything come off the restricted list this time? I yeah, there's a bunch of stuff did, that came off the didn't. restricted list. Um, no, it, it's more like um, faction cards. So mm. let's. I guess we can start. Start. Let's start with that. Okay. So um, some faction cards came off right now. Um, a lot of its stuff had to do with the fact that the way feature tokens and objectives interact with each other um, is uh, is a little different now. So um, effectively. Like claim the city and infestation are no longer on the list because it's almost impossible now to hold all objectives right back to the way that it used to be. But before it was quite, quite doable and it was kind of a challenge in some cases um, to stop it from actually happening because it was so inevitable. Um, Crimson Court had a card called um, uh, Spirited Attempt that's off the list. And I would assume that has to do with the fact that hunger is no longer in the game. So because they lost all their hunger support and all their hunger cards and all the cards that were restricted and strong with hunger, um, mm -hmm. it makes it to where, um, you know, they have a little bit of bite back. Um, Mad Mob, I don't think, got hit. Um, there were some changes with Elethane Soul Raid, which we can talk about. Oh, right. But really, it was just... Um, and I think uh, also... Uh, what's the card where you... Um, Dark Inversion was removed off the list as well because it doesn't really oh, do anything yeah. anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, it does, it, but it doesn't. So Not the but, way like, it used to. No, yeah, it wasn't. It's not as like backbreaking as it used to be, if you will. So, And then, of course, rotation happens, so everything is, is – half the stuff is gone anyway. So those are some of the things that changed or came off. Um, I like that, personally. But um, let's talk about the things that are that have been added. Yeah. So, uh, no new universal objectives were added. Uh, in the power cards, for universal power cards anyway, we added Brigade Strength, Ferocious Bite, and Lurking Horror. Uh, all of these are accuracy cards uh, in one way or another. Um, Ferocious Bite giving plus dice, Lurking Horror giving plus dice though you have to drop it, and Brigade Strength gives what innate support when you roll enough dice or something like that um yeah yeah i got it here it's uh where great strength is um if your fighter is rolling three or more dice um i believe you can count half supports as success you get one additional supporting fighter so it's, yeah. if, if you're a brawler i believe um yeah so and then if you're then if you're a brawler you get plus one dice yeah yeah so Three accuracy cards, historically accuracy cards, have made it on here, uh, whether those be rerolls like um, Awakened Weapon, or there have been plus dice cards like this, uh, or um, Augmented Limbs, for instance. So these went on. Uh, are either of you surprised to see these additions to the power list? No. I think those are the... If I had to pick three of the like cards that I would put on a far list that were the most unanimous or obvious, those would be the three. Mm. It's just it's just it's accuracy, and 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 accuracy has proven in this game to be a problem mm -hmm. when it's just universally 
available or accessible. Uh, uh, yeah, I would, I would say the same. I, I was, uh, it was interesting to see one of the, um, Grand Alliance cards on there. I know that this, uh, Death Soldiers is on there as well, but just because it's kind of its own category of cards that I, I don't have a ton of experience with again, just because the, the championship kind of not being played recently. Um, but yeah, that obviously we're going to be incredibly powerful and the ferocious bite is just like nuts. Like two extra dice is like, that's crazy. So especially yeah. since tooth and claw gives you a bunch of new ways to make people beasts. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole faction that can because two damage plus two dice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the power cards are, are, it makes sense to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you were to take a look at all the cards that released in the last season, and you were to, like, like stack rank all of them, I think Ferocious Bite and Lurking Horror would easily be in the top ten cards, period, in Nether Maze. And, and so would Brigade Strength from Harrowdeep, so. Uh, yeah. Especially because popular warbands have been able to uh, not abuse them, but really, like, get the extra mileage out of them. Um you know, like uh, Soul Raid or Hexbanes with Brigade Strength, Ferocious Bite with the Gnarl Spirit is insane. Same with Exiled Dead and then Lurking Horror, just good with anybody really, so. Yeah. Do, you, do you think anything's missing from this list? Um, only cards that have just been added. There are some Gnarls, uh, Gnarlwood Universals that I think would probably make it on here. I've already mentioned Quick Roots. Um, but obviously they don't restrict things until at least the uh, release after they've come out. So I don't think anything out of Nether Maze uh, and Harrowdeep should be on here, with potentially the exception of um, Curse Boarding Pike, which is an extremely strong card. Actually, I take that back. I just remembered yeah. that uh, Dark Parasites exists, and that card is crazy. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> That those are the two cards that I think were huge misses. Actually, on this far list, mm. Dark Parasites is dis- is nuts. It's nuts. The only um, thing I would say about Dark Parasites, and not to cut you off, is just that maybe it's not so bad in that we lost a bunch of plus damage cards. We lost uh, Savage Strength, for example. Um, we lost. Uh, what else did we lose? There was another one or two from uh, Dire Chasm that we lost, and I'm like, okay, well. Yeah, we lost Savage Strength, Feral Symbiote. Yes. Um, Weapons Master, I think, was another one. Yeah, uh, Weapons Master is an uh, Illusory Might. It's a, still a modern card. Um, oh. But yeah, I mean, we lost some of these staple plus damage cards, and it's harder to stack plus damage cards, but it is probably still restricted worthy, honestly, even despite that. I think it's just so silly on fighters that are two wounds. Because, like, you're going to one-shot them anyway, so like the, the, there's no negative to that, right? Um, so, because mm. most melee attacks are two damage anyways. Right. Um, and even if they're one damage, it doesn't matter because you kill them. But, you know, the upside is that you get... This is a punching up yeah. on a stick, right? You just get to do it over and over and over again. And, and punching up was a restricted card, which is why I think Dark Parasites needs to be hit. Um you put this on a warband where a fighter can keep coming back to life and they get immense value out of it, right? Um, and so, the, I, I and you pair that with a weapon and it just gets nutty. 
speaking of weapons, um, Curse Sporting Pike is 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 uh, is incredible. Mm-hmm. That as as you've mentioned, it's so dumb. We've seen spear type weapons be restricted before. Um, I believe shake glass spear in the past, uh, but then like. Um, not Nullstone Spears, Amberbone Spear, I think, was also restricted at the time. Uh, any range 2 weapon is already really good. And then you just give it four dice for no apparent reason. They're like, yeah, it comes with a downside, yeah. but is it, does it really come with a downside? It, it, it doesn't. Um, and, and that's kind of why I I get frustrated. In, in fact, like you can use Curse Boarding Axe with Dark Parasites, and you have a three damage cleave for fury attack mm-hmm. yep um, and yes well. yeah. yeah and grievous so it's uh it's nutty yeah it's those nutty. are those are a bit of misses uh overall though i think would you guys agree that the cards that the universal cards that were added were uh we we already said they were good um uh but do you think that you're pretty happy with the state of championship in the wake of this, or do you think that it that we would ne- really need those two to be added in order to bring balance to championship? Kyle, do you think that's a good uh, question? Do Do you think it's okay without those on the list? It's hard to say. I, I don't. I feel like I don't have enough data to speak on it, and like not having the experience of the card because it's always like on both ends, like. I can't tell you how many times I've sleeved, I've sleeved a deck and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And then as soon as you pull your hand, you're like, this makes no sense, right? Or right. on the other hand, where you're like, this card's fine, or this card seems pretty good. And then you play two or three games and you're like, wow, this is like just absurd. Like there's like no reason this, you know. I think with the boarding pike, I just think four dice on attacks is like, I got burned pretty bad by old by uh, Miss Kira, the new uh, the gnarl spirit chick. Mm. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I got burned pretty bad by her, so I'm a little salty mm. about like four dice. It's a lot of dice, especially when Grievous is so prevalent now. And again, uh, you talking about comboing it with this other card, like four dice is a lot of dice, and not to have to work for it is, uh, you know. And then you're what five, six with uh, with some some bonuses. So just feels like. Uh, a little much on the dice for that for that one. And again, if you're already putting cards on here because they're accurate, and then you have another card that is like range gives you additional range. It's doing two damage, which is like fine damage, uh, and it's super accurate. And you know that seems to be in line with the with the thought making process and what got added already. Yeah, I mean um, the other one, the parasites. I it's funny because the on the card it's the Gore Hulk, which is like probably like something you don't want to put it on because you don't want them to come in and just murder him. Um, and again, in my mind, I'm such a, like a, I just want to like smash things. So like I play all the big guys. So like that card is like, yeah, you get like the big downpour damage with my die, but my guys in like dire straits, I wouldn't have thought to put it on, you know, put it on a little rinky dink guy and just get him in there and smash. And like, he's going to die anyway. So who cares? Again, you mentioned the Skaven earlier doing that with um, our brutal transformation. We talked about this is like the same thing. Now you've got two of those cards in your deck. Hmm. That's awesome. That sounds disgusting. It is disgusting. It is very uh, disgusting. I, I, you get I'm, both of them on there? You get both those bad boys on there and you're just one-shotting Hrothkorns and Kanans with a little dude? Yeah. Honestly, the fact though, that yeah. you... The fact that you don't play Championship and you look at this card and you're like, this is nuts, just, I think, proves that <laughs> this should be restricted. Yeah. Um, probably. Uh well, let's move on to the faction cards, because I think we, we've covered the universals pretty well. Um, 
I know Oman's mentioned a couple that have come off, so we'll we'll bring those up as they come. Uh, but first, we've got Starblood Stalkers. Uh, they've added on the Great Plan, uh, and they have removed um, Astro Matrix Alignment. Astro Matrix Alignment. Thank you. I knew there was an A in there, uh, which is no longer that big of a deal because it's actually much harder to flip objectives nowadays uh, or tokens. Um, Great plan. What do you guys think of this being added as a restricted card? Do you think it's... A... Is this really that easy to score? Like I, This is a card I'm not overly familiar with. I'm looking at it right now, but you scored six or more objective cards, and you have scored one of each of the types of Surge, a Duel, and a Hybrid, and three, uh, three glory on any end phase. It is a card that I fluctuates decided. in power depending on how good the duels and hybrids in the game are. If your deck can contain three good dual and three good hybrid, like you're going to have six good surges, whatever. But if you can have good duels and good hybrids in your deck at the same time, it's an auto score. Um, and sometimes it's an auto score in turn two, which I think is the scary part. But it really, like I said, it really depends on the current metagame and how many of those types of cards are available. Uh, Aman, do you think that there's enough dual and hybrid good cards to make this a restrict-worthy card? You know, it's interesting because I I think Starblood Stalkers are a really good warband. Mm -hmm. And when objectives are face-up, they have the ability to perform quite well. Um, they were doing well in Nether Maze and Harrow Deep. I mean, like a couple people did have pretty good finishes with them and that's with cover hexes you know being quite prevalent now with you don't have to worry about flipping and delving and all that stuff i mean this turns on some of their other cards as well like uh they have this like teleport card where they can jump to any other feature token on the board i mean like it's the, i think they're they're a really good warband and um i think in, in, in capable hands they can do very capable things do i think the great plan should have been hit i'm not really sure because on one hand, like it's kind of like the big score that you have to play towards. The fact that you have to particularly build your deck in a certain way in order to accomplish it and then score those cards, um, I think is is interesting, especially given how limited championship is nowadays. That being said, I have yet to play a game where I didn't score the card myself. So whenever I drew it, right? And so for that reason, I think I think restricted seems fine. I don't know if I maybe would have hit instinctive tactics instead, just because like that power card is nuts. Yeah. But if if we're if we're gonna like get nitpicky, then I'll be nitpicky. But I don't think we need to be nitpicky in that regard. Um, I think. One Do you thing... agree with that? I don't disagree. Um, I. I think it's like it's true what you said. I think every like we can talk about oh is it efficient? You know like what's the chances of scoring it? But like every time I play against Starblood Stalkers, they score this card. Like it's inevitable. Um, yeah, we talked about in a previous podcast the existence of every deck has some three cost card, right? Every deck has some end phase three uh, or not three cost three glory card, and most of them are bad. But the but the Starblood Stalkers have a faction three glory card that's good and do you think maybe this is kind of like a well you get to have the good three glory end phase but you know you're going to eat the restricted slot for it do you think maybe it's kind of like a balancing act in that matter 
kind of. I, I think they just. I think this is a a hit to the fact that you're going to take this card. Mm-hmm. We think Starblood Stalkers might be too good in in an open, in an objective face up meta. What can we hit that doesn't that makes sense? And is like a lot of glory to justify it. And I think that's the card because I think you're going to take the great plan still. And, and oftentimes in the past, you know, like if you're, if the question is, would I still take it if it's restricted? The answer is yes, for a great plan. So that might just do it. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting addition to the list at the very least. Um, Yeah. So we'll jump on down. Uh, the only other added card uh, was to Elfane Soul Raid, and they added Cloud of Midnight, which is the uh, which is the Gambit card that you pick one of your fighters, and they cannot be targeted by attacks, gambits, abilities, etc., uh, until the end of the next activation. So you basically remove them as a target. Uh, Aman, you had some strong feelings about this not being added in previous far lists. Are you happy it's on now? Vindication. <laughs> um, to quote Conrad Kurz, um, which I know Kyle is a big fan of. Oh, Listen, yeah. I think it, this is a this is a card that makes sense because it wasn't auto include. It just pretty much says, "Nope, you don't get to touch my fighter for a round." Um, it negates some of the power cards you might be playing. It can make sure a fighter lasts well into the next round. I mean, there's there's some benefits here that I think um, the Warband was abusing, given the fact that the Warband hits hard, but they're glass cannons, and you're taking away the fact that they are indeed a glass cannon. So I like this change quite a bit. I think it, it makes sense, and I think it's about time. An interesting thing about what they did with the Soul Raid, though, is the previous Soul Raid restricted card was Speed of the Flood Tide, and they took off Speed of the Flood Tide, and they... But they kept Surging Tide on, which Surging Tide was added in the last um, uh, far list. So now the card that provided you a Surge, if you had three enemy fighters in enemy territory after an activation, that's still fair. Um, That's no longer restricted. But now if you move twice with one fighter, um, that's restricted. And I think that maybe had to do with the fact that movement has changed in in narwood and so why reward someone for doing something what anyone can do but if we really break down the move mechanic as a whole um no one really double moves anyways because it's just a very inefficient activation right Um, there are very niche cases where you would do that double move so um i think it's a plus and a miss Mm. like put back um whatever the last one was called um speed of the flood tide and and take off surging tide because I don't even think Surging Tide. I think Surging Tide is the weakest of the three, if that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I think, like, like you said, it's it might be easy to score, but you are you really doing a good play? Like, are you getting enough value out of, like, just getting a free... Like, sure, you get a glory, you can get an upgrade going, you can get a little momentum going, maybe, but, like, you also just, like, just moved a guy twice. It doesn't, you, you know, what did you accomplish? Sure, like, maybe you run into objectives, like, it's far across the board, you put them in enemy territory, you're setting up for, uh, for Flood Tide, whatever, but, yeah, I would agree with that. And the Cloud of Midnight, those cards do not feel good to have them played against you when you are, you know, again, aggro player, like, I played against the Skaven, the new Skaven recently, and, like, the no attacking assassins, I was like, uh, I'm just, I just can't punch you. Like, what do I, 
I do now? I can't punch you. It just it doesn't feel good. So, um, and again, like you said, the mitigating um, risk, like completely taking away, like the you know, you putting yourself in a risky situation. That's like the that's part of of gaming, right? That's part of like the strategy. Is like I'm going to run in there, get my hit, or, or miss my hit, and then now I'm I, you know dead in the water. Um, but then being able to be like just like no is uh, is quite powerful. So. Seems yeah. to make sense to have to take at least take a slot to do it. I like the pun too for oh you know soul yeah, right like dead that. in the water. I like dead that. In water. I caught it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it, that's really it, huh? It, it's interesting. I, I just want to give a couple two cents about surging tide. Um, I think sure. I feel like surging tide was a um. It was hit out of principle. Because they, GW has, uh, the Underworld's balancing team has historically hated cards you can score without interacting with your opponent. And you're right, moving twice is generally not a, um, generally not the thing to do. But I have scored Surging Tide just by walking in my backfield while my opponent approached me. <laughs> you know, you take two actions, you get a glory, you equip an upgrade, they're, they're still moving across the board, they can't reach you, and then you... You know, you get to, like, choose that encounter while still being ahead on glory um, and ahead on tempo. Um, it's I think it's almost in the phrasing, maybe, as you say, like, oh, it's a bad move to make two moves. Like, But is it a bad move to just be like, my activation is gain a glory? Two activations. Gain two activations, sure, sure. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, if you frame it differently, is it, you know, maybe that maybe that's, uh, you know, I like Zach said... There was the there was a card that was the same thing, but it was a generic card printed back when, and it went on the restricted risk because Molog could score it so easily. Yeah, there was two of them. There were two of them at the same time. The other thing you have to remember is much like Molog, uh, in round one and two, uh, the Ideneth can charge even if they have a move token. So this is not always just move move. Sometimes this is move burn an activation and then charge, and that is more efficient because now you're positioning yourself then doing a charge potentially killing somebody scoring this maybe scoring something else um and so i can see why it would hit a restricted slot at this point in time but you're right i think uh i think speed of the flood tide is better than this just in general yeah my only my final thought to that is i completely agree that that reasoning is important the charge the move and then the charge they're one of the I think them and Malong are the only two warbands that can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that is um, a plus point as to why the card should be on the list. I would argue, though, that like um, the most efficient ways I've seen. So, I think we've all seen Soul Ray play, mm-hmm. and when they do, you know, do well, whether online and in person, is when they're just like all living in your territory. You know, they're in your space, invading your personal space. And the fish and the crab are effortlessly going to help you score speed of the the flood tide. Right. Um, whereas I do think, you know, the example that you gave, the first example, where like double moving in the back line while your opponent comes to you. Mm-hmm. I just do, I just don't see soul raid decks ever wanting to stay in their own territory. That might be a different way that you put, built the deck, and and I'd love to like maybe talk about that you know offline, but. Sure, um, sure. I think like if you were to ask even Mendarga or Alasor, who are like the two authorities, if you will, on Soul Raid, 
Mm-hmm. I think they they would say Speed of the Flood Tide is probably stronger. Um, and in fact, I know that because I've asked them. <laughs> but that's also just two people's opinion, right? True. Uh, so I just, I'm not saying anyone's wrong or right. I just think I'm going to get the, like, you know, I'd like to just get everyone's opinion. So I, I see why you think it makes sense to stay on the list. And I, and I don't disagree with you. I think you've mm-hmm. convinced me based on your reasoning. I just think if I have to pick between the two. Yeah, I think you know my answer. I think we may see that go back and forth in the future, um, but that's what we have right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But like I said, that's what we have at the moment. Um, were there any that came off that you want to like chat about, or do you feel like we've kind of covered the far list pretty well? I'm not mad about anything coming off the list. I don't hmm. have any strong feelings one way or the other. I'm mostly positive. Like I'm glad Crimson Court. <laughs> don't have a restricted slot anymore you know that might oh, be biased, I wonder why but, yeah uh, <laughs> um, uh, no, that's good everyone should just embrace the the hunger you know i mean so, I, I think yeah so that's it yeah you think what now oh uh, i was just gonna say i think uh it's cool to see i'm i'm excited to see what people do with crimson court now that it's not just, you know, completely passive hunger decks or like uh, janky hold objective, hold two type of dominant position decks. I think we're going to see some interesting things out of them. Just charge four times, guys. ABC. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Um, well, cool. I think that does it for most of the Underworld's talk in regards to the Farless and the Nar- and, and Narwood. And it sounds like everyone's communities are booming, so... But I, which is a good thing. I'm really happy, especially in Houston. It's been a drought for like four years. So Mm. I'm really, really happy. Um, What I wanted to do for the last aspect of the, the, the podcast is, is talk to Kyle, right? Kyle is, I'm a very well-known painter online. Um, He's been featured. uh, I think there was like an article recently, like on handful of dice or something where it was like, check out these like four or five underworlds painters. And I think you were featured on that, right, Kyle? Yeah, they did uh, two different articles recently. They put me on that one was like uh, really colorful painters. You have like Louis Sugden on there, and um, it's not like Discotech and some other really uh, uh, your guy. What's his name? Akkad. Uh, Akkad, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Just all wonderful artists. Um, and then the other one recently was um, Underworld's Warbands painters. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, and I did say I was going to give handful of dice a shout out uh, like two podcasts ago, but I kept forgetting. But here's your shout out. Um, because I think it's it's really cool to see more Underworlds content creators pop up. Um, before the episode today, we mentioned Mendaga's article. We were talking about that earlier about his article on Prospector. Um, very short and sweet. You know, you can, you know, read that while um, drinking a glass of water. Like, it's a very quick article. And, uh, you know, I just love how there's more content coming and coming. So, uh, but I really wanted to take some time to, to learn about you, Kyle, Um and so, like, obviously, Zach knows you very well. Um, I, I've met you, I think, what, uh, 2019? Adepticon of 19? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then we just kept in touch. Um, it's weird. There, there, there are some weeks where I'll text Kyle every day. <laughs> um, and I've only met Kyle, like, three times, you know? So it's, um, it's really cool. And, and another aspect of why I love Underworld is because, like, I've only met Zach once, really. I've met Kyle, like, two or three times. But, like, 
we're able to get together and build content and create content together. So um, I want this to be um, kind of like a like a story on, on who you are and what Pale King Hobby is. And so, um, Kyle, why did you get into tabletop wargaming? What's your story? Um, and then how did that all come come together? Yeah. Um, oh, man. So I've been doing it for most of my life. I'm 29 right now. We got in. I, I mean, I used to go to GW in the local mall when I was like eight years old. I was going back then. My brother had found some of my dad's old pewter models from the 80s. Um, like old, like weird Lord of the Rings stuff and, and things like that. And then, um, and then Lord of the Rings came out in the early 2000s and like, it's just like such a vivid memory of like going to Toys R Us and like we, there was Lord of the Rings toys and we were like, what is this? And our dad's like, oh, there's like the old animated Lord of the Rings. And then, um, I got Gandalf and my brother got Legolas. And then this was like my first, like, you know, getting into fantasy and then, you know, like watching all these old animated movies and all this stuff. And our dad showing us all this stuff and, um, my dad was never really into it. He just had this stuff and, you know, he, he never painted it or did any of that. And, um, so I've had my brother my whole life. We've played a million games over the years. Used to do, you know, Lord of the Rings and Fantasy and 40K. And then we had a very long stint after the local GW closed of playing War Machine at a local store. We both worked at that store. Um, very fond memories of those times. Um, really, you know, like painting a lot and doing that and, Painting in those days was a lot different than it is for me now. I was doing more army painting, but still kind of, you know, trying to make things look good and, and like reading articles and um, reading a lot of stuff in the books, actually, from Matt DiPietro, who we'll circle back to, but he was, you know, one of my early hobby heroes. And um, so, you know, that kind of era. And then, again, I've done just a ton of gaming over the years, and, and that's kind of what keeps the painting alive, too, is that, you know, you get really excited about a game and great models come out, and then... You know, you play the game, you paint the models, and then you, they kind of cycle into each other. You want to keep playing the game, but you want your models painted, and then you paint the models, you want to play the game, right? So just that, like, wonderful little circle of, of hobby life. Um, I guess after the store and War Machine kind of fading away, there was kind of just jumping around and, and doing different things over the years. And um, eventually, like, Underworlds, just because it is, it has been so important in my life since it's, it's come in. We demoed Underworlds. Phil Kelly actually taught me and my brother Underworlds when they showed it at Gen Con for the first time. And we're like, this is cool. And then we played it, like, the release weekend. And then we played local tournaments. And I remember the first time I was work, I, I work food service. So I, you know, weekends are a little hard for me nights, but my brother came home with one of the glass trophies and I was like, I want me some of those. So that was kind of the start of that journey into getting really, really competitive. You're kind of focusing on playing the game better and doing the whole thing. And, um, and kind of around that same time when Underworld was coming out, we started taking, you know, classes with professional artists, uh, Alfonso Veraldez, Banshee and Manti Pietro. And, um, I've had the pleasure of learning from like, all these people that I looked up to for years. And then especially like Adepticon this year was like an amazing experience like to meet all these people that I've like, I've loved their work for years. And then for them to say like, Oh, you're Pale King Hobby. And like, you know, that's like a pretty surreal experience for me to yeah. have people that I look up to know what I'm doing or like look at my work and like it. And that's, that's, that feels amazing. And especially again, because I've learned from these people, um, whether that be directly or indirectly, just studying their work or watching their videos or whatever. And, um, again, Matt, you know, Matt being my hobby hero for so long, I've tutored under Matt. We do private coaching, um, once a month for almost three years now. And the first project that we worked on was my gets. Um, that was like the first thing that I got feedback from him on and, and kind of worked through that project. And he's been with me through all the stuff in recent years. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you get That's coaching incredible. from him. Uh, now you do coaching yourself, right? You, uh, I mean, I know. Our, yeah. Our yeah. Store, I've trans- I've, I, 
Um, I've done stuff, you know, private coaching people and, you know, um, I haven't taught any like bigger format classes. This is a part of my life I would like to grow into a bigger thing, but that's again, the balance of, of work and yada yada, that's whatever. But, um, yeah, definitely like now being able to like give back is huge too, because I, you know, I get a lot of people asking questions and to be able to, I think everybody in their life, no matter what they're doing, you kind of have that period of, um, I don't know what they call it. Uh, there's a term for it. Like you feel like a fraud. You feel like a, you know, imposter really syndrome. Get, imposter syndrome. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, definitely had a period of that where I'm like, do I know this stuff? Do I, you know, and now I think about the art stuff and all the books that I've read. And again, the conversations that I've had and the things I've been taught. And it feels great to be able to like, be like, I do know this. I know it pretty well. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. And, um, there's the beauty of art is that you're, there's always something new to learn. There's always some weird aspect of somebody being like, well, actually, the light doesn't work like that if when it hits the cloth and then this, this, that, and the other, and you're like, dang, like every time you think you got it, there's something else. And that's, that's the beauty of it, right? There's yeah. always something new to learn. There's always something fun to explore. There's always, you know, a new challenge to overcome. And that's, um, it's a lifelong pursuit. And even the piece, the last piece you do in your life won't be perfect, but at least you'll be able to look at it and say, like, I did the damn thing, right? So yeah, that is the beauty of the, of the pursuit. No, I love that. I love that story. I love that background because, like, I think, like, Lord of the Rings was, like, a, a very big popular entry point for a lot of people. Like, they may not even realize it because they, they, like, no one really plays it anymore, um, except at Nova, which it sells out in, like, five minutes or less than that, really, five seconds. But um, it's really cool to see, you know, everyone's journey and, and, and kind of the things that people like to gravitate to. You know, like, in a way, like, we all had, the three of us have had very different paths when it comes to gaming and our hobby but we're all on this podcast right so something led us to this moment where we converge and anything you know underworld is that for us um but you're like you're like a, you're you're really into painting right and and that's kind of your shtick and and so like what kind of got you into it like have you always been artistic like prior to Def- or yeah or- i mean i've always like leaned into like creative side of my life i you know like always like love writing and reading and really you know, I was a very sensitive boy, my, you know, my, my child, and I still am. It's, and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I can tap into that side of myself. But um, I, I think that the pursuit and, like, even the competition then, too, of, like, being better and, like, I mean, it, again, like, the, the trophies are, they are what they are. And uh, for me, looking in that case is, like, that's when I met this guy or that's when we did this. We went out for drinks this time. You know, it's like I have my best painted from Adepticon this year. But, like, the memory from that is, like, I'm sitting at, the two top tables are you two playing each other and then me and Davey playing each other. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like the best painted, great. Like the trophy, whatever. And again, that feels good because I put the work into that war band, but like the memory of the four of us sitting at the top tables is like, that's awesome. That's amazing for me. Um, and again, the competition, like it, it does feel good to be able to hold that trophy up and be like, I am good at this, you know? Yeah. And, you know, especially again, when it comes from your peers, it comes from your, um, your, your mentors and, and things like that. So, so, um, yeah. So what is it about the underworld's models? Cause I feel like everyone, if you look at the painters in general, like they tend to gravitate towards a certain game system or a certain like miniature range. Um, and so like, look, you love your Legion, right? I've seen you do some incredible things oh, yeah. with your, yeah. uh, with your clone troop or stormtroopers. I think it's clone troopers. I've done um, store troopers, uh, mostly like character stuff. Yeah. Like yeah, your, your like kind that, of the answer here. I think the mercenary, which is like the the reptile Bosk, is that his name? Yeah, Bosk. Yeah, that's like yeah, one of the that's man, the one yeah. of the best paint jobs I've ever seen. Period. Yeah, right. That's yeah. incredible. Um, your Vader is cool, uh, and then you do the underworld stuff, and so you know, like, and then of course, like I've I've 
um, I've uh, badgered you <laughs> into doing commission <laughs> stuff for me as well. It's really funny, actually, because once a month I'll ask Kyle, like, hey, do you want to paint something for me? And then he'll say no for 11 months. And the 12th month, he'll take a project that was oh, probably great, too yeah. big that he overcommits. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Kyle's like, dude, I'm never taking one of your projects again. And then like six months later, I'm like, yo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it's funny because kind of all that leads into the answer, right? Is that like, I'm a slow painter, you know, because again, like I'm kind of maybe studying a new thing when I do a piece. So it's the last couple of years been a lot of non-metallic metal and textures and um, lighting effects and, um, you know, color harmony and color theory. And, you know, it's, so it kind of, it, it takes me time to do it. And I'm also have a terrible attention span. So I, you know, get a little bit of time in every day, but, you know, you chip away at it every day. And that's Zach and me kind of joke about this in our group is that like, Zach has like a ton of stuff painted. I paint like 30 models in a year. That's all that I get done. I'm very happy with those models, but like I would love to have more stuff painted, you know? Yeah. But I, it's it, but that's why Underworld attracts me so much is because if I'm going to paint 30 models in a year, I want it to be good models and they're amazing models. They're all character models and I get to use them all for a game, right? So, you know, I put that time in. I get to see that like the fruition of it. I get to play a ton of games with them because it's your best two out of three formats. You're getting to like a ton of table time with these guys. And I love the game. Um, and that's what it comes down to a lot is like the inspiration, again, that comes from like the gaming. So, you know, there'll be, it's always like, oh, this competition's coming up, whether it's like, uh, Privateer Press, um, the P3 Masters or, um, you know, um, AMG, uh, just announced their, uh, their Crisis Protocol one that Amon had sent me the other day. And, you know, it's always like, you know, I want to compete in this competition. But is the inspiration really there? Because you, you should paint what you want to paint, not what you feel like you should paint. I think like that's an important lesson. Is like you should do the art that you want to do and not things you feel forced into. Because for me, you, you hit the wall so much faster and so much harder when it's something that you're not super excited about. Um, and that's why the commission painting is, is a little difficult for me sometimes because it's not exactly the content that I want to be doing. And I don't have like a great attachment to the character all the time. And... Um, and again, that's like the weird thing about gaming is that you like form a bigger attachment with characters. That's like, again, like all these Star Wars games over the years, like play like a Star Wars Destiny from back when has like these weird niche characters. And all of a sudden you feel like you know them a little bit better because you're like playing them in the game and you kind of like either in the driver's seat with them or, you know, whatever way you want to describe it. But, um, again, same thing. Like when you, I just feel a bigger attachment to the characters because I'm playing them and I, I know them. I know how they fight on the field. I know how, who they are in some weird way, you know? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, it, I, I definitely agree with ahead, that. Sorry. I definitely agree with like the attachment. I have spent so every project. You, you talked about how I have more stuff painted than you, but it's because I'm just like, I I love Slapshot uh, and all of its predecessors. I just try to blast through and get things done. I like playing painted, uh, and I know I'm not winning awards, unlike you. So, um, but. Uh, you know, the, the ones that I do really connect with, the, you know, I set those aside. Like, I will paint warbands that I have no intention of playing because I want to get them done and I want to go then later spend the time on the warbands that I want to play. So I definitely agree with, you know, you, you grow that attachment and it does bleed into the game too because there's definitely been warbands that like, I was like, ah, you know, I'm not interested in playing this. And then you paint the models and you're like, all right, I'm going to play this warband because it was so much fun to paint and you like really got to know them during the process and now you want to put them on the board and enjoy it. So I, I agree exactly with yeah. what you were saying. 
Yeah. And I've been very fortunate because I like the preformed attachment with a lot of the war bands that I played over the years. It just so happened that they were quite good. Like the second they sold, they showed Molog. I was like, I'm playing Molog. I don't care what he does. I don't care how he operates. I'm playing Molog because I love the model. And I spent a ton of time painting that model and I've taken him to maybe too many painting competitions at this point, but he's like my good luck charm. And obviously he was very, very good in the game for a very long time. And I would love to revisit that even now. Um, Rothcorn was another one, another big guy coming out. I'm going to play that. Rothcorn wound up being very good. So it's probably the worst one was Eyes of the Nine. Got those models and was like, want to paint these guys. And, uh, yeah, not so good, turns out. They had their, they had their moments. <laughs> they did. But, um, I remember actually, uh, I remember Adepticon 2019. You, you won Best Painted with Malang, of course. Um, but, uh, you were playing. Uh, I'll never forget this. It's like one of the most vivid games ever. It was like you versus George or Jeff, Jeff with a G yeah. from Canada. Yeah. Um, and it's like, dude, you had it, and then crit on. Like he would just keep rolling a crit on defense, like single die crit, and I could see the frustration. But it was like, you know, like you had like dominated the tables all day. You know? Oh yeah. And that, so was, that event was like I tell people I tell people outside of the hobby about that all the time when they ask about it and you know it's like that was it was such when that event started just a tangent really quick then when that event started I'm walking around the tables because I'm like who else has got painted models like I want to see what's the competition can I actually take this home today and I hear this kid he's like yeah, I've never really played the game before but I wanted to play today and I just just I threw something about together he's playing Garrick uh, Garrick's Reavers and he's like I just wanted to play and I, I overhear this and then game one I sit down across from the kid and I'm like. I'm so sorry, you know, <laughs> like, and then it was just crushing win. And then I'm, I'm first all day because of that. And then yeah, this game with Jeff was like, you know, Jeff is like nice as can be. We like, he shakes my hand. He's like, can I buy you a beer? I said, oh, I'm not drinking. I, I can have, let me buy you a beer. So, I, you know, and then it just immediately like we're having a good time and like game one, I crush him game two. It's like, I'm like, I got a great hand and his hand is even better. And then he just like runs around me and just like and trashes me. And then game three, like you said, very close game came down to like a couple rolls at the end. And, uh, yeah, that's like again that event. Like it's that's those are the the big things you remember. And then best painted thing too was a really big moment for me. That was the first time I'd ever gotten something like that at a big tournament. I think it was like ninety five players. Uh, there was a um, hundred and eight people signed up. Okay, ninety nine yeah. people played. There you go, perfect. Um, and I, that's another. I just I won't ever forget that. Is like because uh, when they announced second place, I. I, I knew I had it because they did top three for that event. Yeah, and um, as soon as they announced second place, I grabbed my brother's arm because I was like. I got it. I, knew, I, just, I, just knew, I knew I had it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I've really enjoyed seeing your work throughout the years and, uh, um, it, it makes me like want to be a better painter myself. I mean, we've talked about you being my coach as well. You know, we've yeah. talked about it here and there. And so, um, I think it's, it's super exciting to see someone embrace Warhammer Underworlds for multiple facets. Like everyone kind of has their strengths. But you're not only a good player, you're you're an amazing painter as well. And uh, um, I think you even had like your fish on War, Warhammer community, right? Like that was super uh, cool. It too. was, um, what's her name? Uh, the chickie. Fuiran. Uh, oh, um. Fuiran, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she got the feature there. And the, the crab made it on Cult of Paint podcast. So that was like really exciting too. Hell yeah. So. Yeah. Hell King Hobby, everyone, watch out. Yeah, it's popping Same. off nowadays. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that you got to share your story with um, with our listeners, and uh, you know, even though Zach and I are familiar with it, it's still really nice to hear you know your journey and uh, like the passion and the love that you have. And uh, 
you know, we were just smiling the whole time while listening. So it's, it's just exciting. It's a, it's a nice experience. And so, um, we're going to end our episode with, um, some rapid fire questions. So we do this for every guest. Um, it's something that we've been doing since the podcast started really. And, um, we're not going to tell you what these questions are. You don't know what they sure. are. Um, Zach's going to fire them off to you in, in the rapid fire sense. Um, and don't really think about it too much. Obviously, you know, if you have to take a moment, but the idea is to get through this very quickly from the to get your gut feelings and all this stuff. So Zach, if you want to take it away. All um, right. And we can maybe add some game show music. That'll be fun too. Ooh. All right. Aman in post-production start music right now. All right, Kyle. Starting from the top, what was your favorite season of Warhammer Underworlds? Uh, Beastgrave, for sure. What is your favorite fighter in the entire game? Oh, man. Um... Oh, man, sorry. Uh, this one's really hard. Uh, I'd say, like, right now it's Golgok. Because he's just, like, he's just been shredding for me recently. I've really, like, grown a big attachment to him. It was also, like, a really long painting journey with him. So I'm going to go back. Yeah. Favorite warband to play, and what does this say about you as a person? It's Molog. And it's, oh, it's, it's, it's Molog. Because I, I just like bashing. Because, like, as, you know, like, I don't think I'm lack intelligence, but I, with gaming, I just want to just, I just want to beat people down. That's, like, so it's Molog. If you could bring back any card from season one back into championship, what would it be? Uh, ready for action. Even though it was, it's, I know, I, like again, it's again, it's just like I just want the beat down, baby. I just as many attacks as I can get in a game. I, I'm taking them all. I love that. Is there a model you've loved painting the most, or can't wait to paint? Hmm. Uh, I will say recently. Uh, Hairax from the Gore Chosen. I of the three of them was the least excited about him, and I started with him, and I just have had an absolute blast painting that model. He's very, very cool, and he's a little pudgy like me, so <laughs> I like that. I feel like he's the first corn miniature they've shown that's just like not as like a beefcake. Yeah, yeah. I call him Captain Cheeseburger. Love that. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite format to play, and why? Um, I mean, I'd say currently still championship just because it's the thing I have the most experience with. And, um, again, I am very excited for Nemesis to, to try that out. But, you know, it's, it just scratches all the itches for the gaming with the, the models and the boards and the cards and everything. So I'll be able to put my identity on the deck with attack, with extra dice and extra attack cards as many as I can get. What is your least favorite fighter in the game for any reason? Who are you hating on, Kyle? Oh, Who's man. the worst? Um, I would say it is the leader of the Lumina. Hmm, because Davey got me so bad at Adepticon this year, and I will never forgive myself for it. Because Frostborn had one wound left, and I had Great Fortitude in my hand, and I played a different card first, and then he Power of the Wind or whatever me, and killed me because I didn't know that card existed, and uh, so it's it's the leader of the Lumina. That's Miari. That's a very reasonable yeah. reason to be hateful. 
I got a poster of him on my wall. Like uh, throw darts at him. He's on my hit list, like Billy Madison, like the crazy guy from Billy Madison. I got him. Yari's on the top of it, and my my book of grudges. (laughs) That's so funny. Davey's been getting a lot of love on this podcast episode. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, Oh, he is for sure. What what type of warband do you want to see in the future? Any anything could be a mechanic. It could be a faction. It could be a, a model. I definitely think that with the game the way it is, I've always wanted to see this in a game like this as a single fighter warband. The problem is that it's like nearly impossible to balance because with too many restrictions it's unplayable and with too many strengths it's unbeatable or like too powerful. But I really would like to see what a single fighter warband would look like. And I, again, we kind of have, like, Molog is like kind of the closest thing we have. I'd say Rothborn less so because he's got Thrafnir as kind of back up and Kanan is like quite a few good assets, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both very powerful, but, they, you know, just they've got some more tools to, to play with. Um, but yeah, like, what does a one-model warband look like? That would be, uh, that's that would pretty, be my thing. That's an interesting idea. You're a sick man, Kyle. <laughs> Listen, then I only got to paint one model to have my warband on. That's, that's perfect get for me. You it done so fast. Uh, yeah. Favorite game outside of Warhammer Underworlds? I would say currently Star Wars Legion. Um, I talk with my brother a lot about like top five games we've ever played, and like uh, War Machine Mark II is on there. Monster Apocalypse, the first edition, Warhammer Underworlds, Star Wars Legion. Man, Star Wars Legion, just like great character moments, amazing models. Like it's Star Wars, like can't go wrong. Um, I think the handling's been very good, both when it was with FFG, and I actually have been very happy with AMG as far as they've handled it so far. Like um, this last batch of releases with the Mandalorian and. Uh, the IG robots, like, very, very cool stuff. So, um, yeah, Star Wars Legion. It's a good one. Check it out. Thanks. Uh, if you could change one thing about a current warband or a single card, what would you change? Hmm. Um... Could be a buff or a nerf. I guess that I would say, like, I would like to see either a revamp of the old warbands, or what I would like to see probably more than that even is, if you're familiar, like, different games have done this, but War Machine used to do, like, they would have, you would come out with the Warcasters, and then a couple years later, as the story progressed, you would get, like, a prime version of them, like, you would get, or an epic version, and they would be, like, the advancement of the characters, so, like, maybe something like Garrick's Reavers and Magor's Fiends, like, a couple guys have died on both sides, and they both grown, and there's new trophies and new armor or whatever, and now they're one warband. So we've got, like, old characters returning in a new form with a new design. Instead of having to backtrack, and then that's a nightmare for, a, like, a couple of reasons, I think, new warbands with the old fighters moving on. Because they, they kind of say that maybe some warbands didn't make it out of the Beast Grave in Narwood. So what's the fallout of that look like? I love that idea. It's not a bad idea. It's really cool. Uh, and last but not least, uh, where can find people find you if they want to hear more? What, do, what Plug your socials, man. Where can we get you? Um, yeah, so I'm on all the major platforms, Twitter and uh, Instagram and Facebook, all under Pale King Hobby. Um, I'm on Reddit as well, and I just started doing a little bit of YouTube against It's Pale King Hobby. So um, mainly I'd say I post on Facebook is kind of my main plug. Um and I'm also on Discord, and if you happen to be in the Chicagoland area, just to plug it, we do have a Chicagoland paint team, a uh, very active Discord with a lot of people that are trying to get better at painting and are, are investigating kind of uh, more the artsy side of the hobby. So 
um, that's kind of another thing I've been doing a lot this year. So, yeah. Awesome. Right on. Well, that, uh, that was a good, uh, that was a good questionnaire. Not, not, maybe not rapid, <laughs> certainly some fire. So I like that. Um, that's really cool. Um, well, I'm really glad that you got to share your story and, uh, and your hobby. Um, I, I guess I never asked you, but like Pale King is Mortarian, right? Is that where the name comes from? It's not actually. Um, really? I, so it's funny because growing up when I was going to GWs, I played Death Guard back then. I, play, I mean, I, it was like all chaos and, but a, a lot of Death Guard and like I, like in the computer and like my nickname in the store was like Son of Nurgle and I had like my own, my little dude I built out of the Typhus model and my, my brother painted back then because he was better and, um, I didn't know that that was one of his monikers until after I had done it for like a couple of years. It was just this concept I had about a character, like a fantasy world and kind of like the idea of like, like a pale king being like someone who kind of has it all, but it's hollow in a way. It's a, it's a little, I like that. Morose. I like it's a little morose, but it's, you know, maybe you're like a master of, of everything and you have all the money in the world and your kingdom and everything, but there's, you know, you're missing friends and, and loved ones, you know, just kind of this like hollow king idea. So yeah. not that that's me. I'd yeah. Like I was about think. to say, tell us what you really <laughs> that, feel. I mean, yeah, I'm very, yeah, I'm very happy with my life. I live, I live a charmed life. I'm very, very fortunate in, uh, yes. in what I get to do. So um, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I've always wondered and I didn't, I didn't really realize Mortarian was called the pale king until I read it. One of the horse heresy books. And then the moment, the, the moment I read that, I was like, I thought Kyle, I was like, I wonder yeah. if that's because because I know you love Nurgle, but it's just a uh, uh, lucky happenstance. Yeah, and I'm I'm cool with it. I like I like old Motarian. He's maybe not the coolest dude, but pretty cool dude. You know? Yeah. So, are there any like uh, painting projects or uh, tournaments or uh, awards that you're trying to to plan for or in preparation for for 2023? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I'm doing the Gore Chosen right now, and I've spent a lot of time on them. I have a little under a month before the Miniature Monthly Masters, um, which is the Patreon that is uh, Aaron Lovejoy, Elizabeth Beckley, and Matt Pietro that I subscribe to, and that's a subscriber competition that they do every year, and that's an online one. Um, the Gore Chosen I'm also going to take to LVO, which will be the first time I'm going there. I think Amon will, will be meeting up, hanging out. Yes, sir. Um, and Zach will be there, too. Ooh, so. Yeah. Oh, we Zach, do, are you we, coming? Yep. Right? Are you going oh. still? Or? I haven't bought my LVO tickets. We can do this. We can do, this, we can do it live. <coughs> Wait, Zach, I didn't even know you were going. Yeah. We, I asked you and you were like, you weren't sure you're going to talk to to the missus. And then I never got a... It, it's funny story. We weren't sure. And I was like, ah, I don't know. You know, it, it's hard to convince her to go out and or like, especially to tournaments because she doesn't really care about the tournament scene. And then she was like, yeah, by the way, my coworkers are going to Vegas on the same weekend. So she's going to go hang out with them and I'm going to go play games beautiful dude perfect. perfect we're gonna yeah. we're gonna squat out it'll be the three of us and Derek. yeah awesome hell yeah um, but yeah that, that's there's a big competition that weekend and of course i'll be playing underworlds that weekend so looking for those best painted awards if i can uh, if i can manage and then um adepticon is is always closer than it seems so gore chosen will go and golden demon um that's a hard one the old demon i'll be i think i'll be chasing that for another five ten years if i can ever get one um uh, but then there's also that uh, the Marvel Crisis Protocol thing I mentioned that you had sent over to me, and I did order my models today, so I think that that's happening. What did What did you end up deciding to do? I know we talked about like a like a the top big three versus Thanos, and then there was yeah. something else. Or um, I want to order the Brotherhood of Mutants. I think it's just hmm. it lines up very well. You got Magneto in the middle, and he's flying up. He's a great focal point. He's also red, so it's like a color theory thing. Red is like just like 
the poppy color, and then get the blob and pyro on the one side, and we'll get Sabretooth and Toad on the other side, and uh, do that, like, kind of with the backdrop and the comic booky look to it is the goal. So see what we can make happen. That's that's exciting. Yeah. I'm very excited yeah. for you. I think that could be cool. Maybe you'll start playing MCP, too. I would like to give it another shot. I will be honest. I, it's uh, it was very very popular. It's been popular, but our local gaming store when I was going during the weekdays when I had off was there was like ten twelve people playing every night. Oh yeah, that yeah. I would go. I was like, wow, that's it's, incredible. Yeah, the, the yeah, tables are jammed playing that game. Yeah, I'll show you. Maybe I'll run you through a game. That'll show me the way. Yeah, I love it. it's. It's honestly one of my favorite games right now. Um, mm. Speaking of another game, and since we're all on here for a little bit. Um, we saw the Shatterpoint announcement from Atomic Mass Games. Zach, have, did you see this? I, me and oh. Kyle, we chatted about it a little bit, but oh yeah, we're we, we talked about it in our in our little local Facebook group too. Yeah. Zach and Ky- I and our, Kyle our wasn't buddies. Kyle wasn't too nice. happy about it. Um, <laughs> I had a I had a a little bit of vitriol. I don't know what the word is. Vitriol. I, I had a bad rea- initial reaction. But this is a, this kind of leads back to the comment earlier about saying things online is like, I think a lot of people, you get hot because you get, have an initial reaction to something and like maybe just take a step back and breathe and analyze it a little bit. And I've had a little time to analyze it and I, I come around a little bit. I, if you're unfamiliar, they, uh, Atomic Mass Game announced uh, their new game, Star Wars Shatterpoint. It's a squad based combat skirmish game, but it's brand new models. Uh, so that's not the same scale or the same models as Legion, which for me is a big miss because cross-pollinating with your models like GW does so often, where I can use my Underworld models for Warcry and AOS, I think that's great. Hmm. Um, and it also just concerns me a little bit because, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, I love Legion. I don't want to see it go by the wayside. And, and is this? are you going to cannibalize on your own product by putting out another game? Um, I don't think that that's an unfair question to ask. But I do think that it, it is... It is its own thing. The models are awesome. Mm. The models look just fantastic. And again, as a painter, like that's really exciting for me. So, yeah, I was really excited to see it. Um, I, I tell, I, I joke about this all the time with people that I play with. Um, I just like the reason I don't get into Legion. The same reason I don't play 40k or AOS anymore. I'm so spoiled by skirmish games. Like I don't want to bring more than 20 models. Period. If I have to, like even 20s pushing it. Um, so I. I saw Legion and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big droid fan. I, you know, I played Necrons in 40k. Um, and I saw the, uh, the separatist, you know, like the battle droids, the rolling ones and like, uh, the, the big battle droids with the wrist mounted blasters. Yeah. Like those they guys. Got this, the, the dwarf spider droids are like amazing. Yeah. They're super cool. They're so cool. But I'm like, yeah. I just can't paint a whole army again. And I don't want to bring a whole army anywhere. And I don't want to play an army scale game. And now they're like, oh, here's a kill team size game. I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's for me. And it, yeah, it's, I, I feel the same. As soon as they announce a droid faction for that, I'll probably end up buying it. I mean, the, the bo- core box looks fine. Oh, they're there. They're there, baby. Yeah. The core box yeah, that looks video fine, is quite revealing, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in that video. Really? Which is, it's exciting to be like, here's a new game, and here's like... They showed... I mean, yeah, there's Obi-Wan, Anakin, Ahsoka. There's like good Mandalorians and bad Mandalorians. There's uh, Grievous, Dooku... Um, Luminar Undelai and her, uh, Bear Sophie, or like, so those are like more random Jedi that haven't even been in Legion yet, which is mm-hmm. like exciting and a little frustrating, maybe. Um, are they like bunch a bunch of clones, clone commandos, which is cool. Are those Jedi from Clone Wars and Rebels? Is that 
like those stories. Yeah, they're they're yeah, yeah. they're in that. Yeah, they're, they're all like they're, I think they're in episode two was maybe first appearance for them, sure. and then they've been in comics and the original Clone Wars and the Dave Filoni Clone Wars, and then some other stuff. So you you also forgot like the best character ever, Darth Maul. I mean, Darth on. Maul. Who could you? Oh yes. How can you forget Darth? Formerly Maul, Darth, maybe? now just Maul. 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 Yeah, just the Maul. coolest Maul. man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what? One of the things they said in the um in the in the press release was that they wanted to recreate that like Saturday morning cartoon magic. You know, they had that like mini series Clone Wars on Cartoon Network mm-hmm. that had like a lot of Asajj Ventress in it. Yeah, um, which like, she's in the game as well. Candy Tartakovsky, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and then they they transition into Clone Wars. So like, I don't know if that limits the setting, but I mean, Clone Wars is such a massive setting; it happens over so many span of years. So I think there's a lot to play here. But like, dude, the starter set is incredible. They released a picture earlier today where it was like, which character are you most excited to to paint from the from the good side, if you will? And it's like two clone troopers, Captain Rex, Anakin, Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, and two Mandalorians. And I'm like, yo, that's eight super sick miniatures. And you're telling me that like this is an eight character skirmish game at like a higher scale with, sorry, don't mean to, you know, Take a shot at Legion. I'm not taking a shot. I just think the no, miniatures no. are better skilled and they look better. That's my opinion. So. It's hard. I, they're they're definitely more stylized, I think, um, and they're bigger, which is like you know, it's it's a different. You're painting a different thing, right? Because they're like even a, it's probably only about a 10 millimeter difference, but they they are bigger. Um, but I do think some of the characters certainly they captured the character much better. Um, and that's a, a frustration I've had with some of the MCP models is like, I don't think that some of the MCP stuff captures the character super well. They've gotten much better over the years with some of the early ones. And, but again, I think with these, like they capture it very well. And again, going for the Saturday morning cartoon thing, they have that feel to them, which is cool. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they will eventually do the same thing Legion did was, which is, you know, go to original trilogy. Like, um, Mm-hmm. You have to be crazy not to have a Darth Vader model at some point. Like that's it, it's, yeah, it's Star Wars. Say, how, you can't have a Star Wars game without him. And it's always it's always the question of what is Vader going to do? Yeah, how powerful is he going to be? How good is he going to be? Because he's got to be good. Can't have Vader sucking. You know, the, the, the counterpoint to that is that that's how they might keep the Legion fans Legion mm. happy. Because if you want to do that bigger mass battle between, you know. Empire, Rebels, etc. Then Legion's the game for that. While this is strictly a Clone Force, Clone Wars game, I don't know. I, I I have no idea, you know. But I mean, I think Shatterpoint sounds really cool. And um, like, there's been a lot of hate on the comics because Legion fanboys are like, I was yeah. When you were talking about again, when you were talking about earlier about the communities on the website or online and people being negative, I was like, oh, I got an example for you. <laughs> yeah, because it's been. I think again, it comes from fear. It comes from people being oh, afraid sure. that something that they love is going to die and it's going to go away. But again, you have to take a step back and rationalize it. And you, know, I think also you, you kind of have to exist in a world where like, again, nothing lasts forever. It's like all these games have you know, kind of a timestamp on it. If you're lucky, things survive in the modern, uh, you know, in the modern landscape. And a lot of games that used to do well because there was less games in the market are not so hot anymore. Um, again, it's in a, it's in the hands of a, of a company, I think that has done very well for itself. And it's a property that is, I mean, maybe before some recent years and some poor decision-making from a certain company uh, was the biggest property of all time, right? Like, 
So I, I think I think that it's in safe hands. And you know, even like with uh, Armada and X Wing, they haven't like put out new content for it exactly. But there's been card packs, and you know, it doesn't seem like they're completely shutting it away. And if you love the game, play the game. You know, yeah. get people together and play the play the game. I think that's you know, yeah. And my thoughts game. on the... it's not a perfect answer, but it's what you got. No, I completely agree. And and like we were talking about this on text, where I was just like, you know, I don't think this is like a. Like why? Why? Just because it makes sense to just slot it into Legion. Like in my opinion, like Atomic Mass Games and Fantasy Flight were different entities, and this is probably something AMG worked on for years. That seems then, to be the case. Yeah, then, I think they know, even said that in a comment today because there was somebody who was getting a little uh, aggressive with them, and they were like, "Listen, this has been in the works for a while. You know, at least it doesn't. It takes you know a long time to write rules, developing them, making models, concept art, to sculpting, to." production like these things don't happen overnight right so but yeah, yeah i'm excited i just I, I we were talking earlier i put my application in for playtesting which would be the first time i got to do something like that and i would be uh that would be very exciting for me yeah i get it yeah well best of luck to you on your application yeah. appreciate it yeah zach i felt like you've been a little quiet no I, but like you guys are the big uh sounds like you were excited i'm excited you guys are the big uh legion and um amg fans i've not played any amg games um so my not yet my my interest is nearly uh, scholarly at this point. I like Star Wars. Um, one of the big things that drove drove me away from MCP was that like I love Marvel movies and I love the comics, and now I love Marvel Snap is a fun little phone game we were talking about before this. Um, but like I don't oh yeah sometimes I don't feel like the it translates well to a tabletop game, and they don't translate well into being miniatures. Um, but Star Wars, Star Wars tra- translates to tabletop. Um, and so I think I'm more interested in this than I was in MCP. And if it catches on at the same rate uh, that MCP did in our local uh, scene, which I have no reason to think it won't because it's Star Wars, it's Clone Wars era, it's a company that's well known, like it, it's just got all the signs. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to do well. So I'll, I'll probably end up at least picking up the, the core box and painting it up and uh seeing how much i like it hype hype intensifies <laughs> might uh might have a new podcast guys call it uh path to shatter or something no that's a terrible <laughs> that's name. a bad name we got Shattercast. Time. You, you got time to Shattercast. shatter time a better. <clears throat> yeah we'll see we'll see it could also just be a joke uh, i don't know i don't know if i have time for two podcasts <laughs> but uh zach and i can barely get you know, two episodes out a month. So <laughs> maybe we'll get a. It's the listen. The recording is always fun. It's the editing, and that's like me with the YouTube. It's like it's the editing that is. Uh, yeah, that's the drain. If I could record and just like and then be like throw it to somebody and be like you do it, which I mean, you, you can, but yeah. you know, uh, yeah. But that's the. Yeah. The, well, I've, I've kind of got it down to a science, um, but uh, yeah, I, I will admit it does take you know at least an hour, so if not longer, but. Uh, Hey, we do it for the love of the game. So I think without going on any more tangents, mm-hmm. um, except for Marvel Snap, if you haven't tried it yet, you should. It's great. Yeah, you uh, should. Marvel <laughs> Snap for life. It's an amazing game. And it's free to play. Truly free to play. You can spend money if you want. I I, I have not proud to admit I have spent money <laughs> on it, but you know. It's just because like some of the stuff looks cool. Cosmetics. Um anyways. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Kyle, I want to thank you so much again for your time and your energy and your positivity. Um, 
do you have any last comments or, or shout outs or plugs that you want to plug in, if you will? No, I mean, just, yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here. Obviously, you guys are both my buddies, so it's, you know, just nice getting to hang out, honestly, and uh, and definitely be able to talk the game and, and just be excited about where the game's at right now because I think uh, Gnarlwood is going to, it's it's already been pretty rad, and I think it's going to continue to be. So, uh, yeah, get out there and play some games, support your locals, do the whole thing. Don't be a dick. <laughs> there you go. Good sign-off. Good Zach, sign-off. any, yeah, Zach, any final thoughts before we round things out? No, it was uh, nice catching up with Kyle. Um, hoping to play some more and uh, really looking forward to the future in Narlwood, man. We got, uh, oh, the one thing we didn't talk about, um, there's not been any news, but at time of recording, uh, there is a uh, GW preview at their, um, I think it's the finals event, whatever's going grand on. Grand tournament. Or yeah, the, uh... the grand tournament thing that's going on this weekend. There's going to be a preview there. They've got to show off the new team, right? Like, it's got to be shown off there. There's not much time before it comes out next month. So, hope, fingers crossed, we're going to see them uh, in a couple days. What's it going to be? Well, we have a kind of an inclination. I mean, they're yeah, using the bad sure. and some, kind <laughs> right, of a, so. some kind of a little green skin. Yeah. We've got some patrons who are like spider riders or die. So. We'll see. I, yeah, a lot of I've heard people spider spider goblin centaur thingies is what people are. I've heard that a couple times. Thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if I love that, but again, if it's if the models are cool, maybe change my mind pretty quick. Good. I mean, I think I one do, thing I about do love goblins. a goblin. Yeah. What's a goon to a goblin? Listen, <laughs> um, <laughs> the miniatures are going to be cool regardless. Like yeah. I, there are some war bands where I just like don't care for them at all in terms of the lore, but I think the miniatures are cool. So, anywho. We can keep going, so I'm just going to force it right here. <laughs> um, once again, thanks to all of our patron supporters. Um, if you uh, would like to join our current patrons, you can do so at patreon.com slash pathoglory. Um, you can find all of our blog content on pathoglorypodcast.com. And if you have any feedbacks, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or at our Pathoglory Podcast Discord. Um, and if you do come across our uh, our podcast on any medium, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, um amazon etc if you could please give us a rating that'd be great just help spread the word and helps boost our visibility and as always thanks for listening and whether you're painting or playing we want to wish you the best of luck on your path of glory <laughs>